Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Meanwhile, they have a deluge of weather in Europe with regards to rain and flooding. Um, some are saying that 49 people have died. Other reports are saying that the figure could be 70 confirmed dead and there are other dozens more missing and can't be accounted for. Major rivers burst in their banks causing flooding across Europe. They got an unmerciful dump uh, of rain and uh, the systems just couldn't handle it. Uh, so that's the story that's making the international uh, news this morning and indeed many of the newspapers talk of it and if that wasn't enough to be going on with apparently the moon is going to take a bit of a speed wobble, wobble they say. A wobble in the moon's orbit will cause an onslaught slot of coastal flooding from the mid-2030s. <sighs> Until a 15 years time is going to be a very different planet, apparently, because of a, of the, a wobble of the moon, according to NASA. So don't tell me to be uh, worrying you as head into the weekend. Um, I don't know whether it's uh, preventable. I don't know how much of all of what we have on the, on the planet these days is down to global warming. Um, but there, are, of course, are changes on the planet, and we've seen that, haven't we, over the last year and a half or so. I know, it's, it's even weird saying year and a half. The Irish Times, actually, this morning has very worrying news, and uh, it would really ground you if you read the front of the Irish Times. Um, you, we're not expecting this as more and more, well, we shouldn't be expecting it, I suppose, but it's here nonetheless as more and more people get vaccinated, and we thought we're on the home straight. Hospitals are preparing for a new COVID surge. Uh, we're two weeks early with the 1,000 cases of plus of COVID uh, positive cases. We're two weeks early for that. We shouldn't have got that for another couple of weeks. Uh, but 994 cases were confirmed last night. And, and I know, you know, I'm constantly saying, I don't want to be talking about the cases. I want to be talking about ICU. I want to be talking about hospitals. But you can't ignore the newspaper stories. Uh, so really, you can understand why the likes of um, Leo Varadkar and, and politicians are saying, behave like as if it's March of last year. Behave as you go about your business, even vaccinated as if it's March 2020. It's a story making the this morning's examiner. Uh, but hospitals preparing for the surge. The spread of the virus is accelerating faster than they thought. Uh, 5% of those who are contracting, or contact, you know, contracting COVID-19 are actually vaccinated. So they've got um, you know, worrying issues in the front of uh, this morning's Irish Times. Meanwhile, indoor dining goes ahead and we have a date now, the 26th. In spite of Delta spreading quicker than expected, the mail this morning says indoor dining will go ahead. It's got the green light. Restaurants and pubs opening 26th of uh, of July. Um, pubs and restaurants can expect to reopen their doors for customers to drink and eat indoors if you have your cert. Um, fresh rift, though, within, um, say, for instance, the Taoiseach Michal Martin and Tony Hoolan are not in agreement when it comes to children under 18s or what have you, going into uh, pubs or, or restaurants accompanied by a parent who's been vaccinated. So that's allowed. Tony Hoolan says, don't do it. Michal Martin said yesterday he has no problem with it. Uh, but there you have it. It's making all of the papers today, dining and we have a date, uh, July 26th. There was a Sinn Féin TD, Rose Conway Walsh, had to apologise. I think you want to be very careful if you're going to say something and you're going to use history or somebody else's struggles to compare it with COVID constantly. It's getting people into trouble. You see with Matty McGrath and the referencing of the Nazis and what have you. Well, she compared vaccine certificates to the struggles of the um, uh, American black civil rights 
not just the leaders of the civil rights um, movement, say, for instance, the 1960s, but she made a comparison to Rosa Parks. And she was refused... Um, on the buses back then, it was it was disgusting, you know, the, the segregated seating and stuff like that. I mean, never mind the restaurants and the toilets and what have you. Even on even on public authority buses run by the government, and this was in Alabama. You might remember it. And she refused to give up her seat on a segregated bus, and uh, that led. That was one of the early catalysts, actually, in the American Civil War movement. Anyway, Rose Conway Walsh compared what, what's happening now to then and uh, had to apologize for it later. Have have you noticed also the guards to Cupid's arrow, the likes of Tinder and uh, plenty of fish and stuff like that are uh, they're encouraging people in their profile to put down that they're vaccinated and I know nothing about dating apps but apparently they give you bonuses and boosts. I suppose a boost would be that your profile gets seen by more people if you put down that you're vaccinated. That's where we're at now these days with uh, jab messaging on dating apps as well. Um, and, you know, many people would say that this all came from a wet market in China uh, way back in the day. And uh, Of course, the jury's out on that. But there's very worrying photographs in the red tops today of street markets in Indonesia crammed with slaughtered and butchered animals. And, you know, it doesn't look hygienic to me. And I know that sometimes the photographs don't really represent exactly what's going on, but... This looks very, very dangerous to me and very unhygienic, including bats. Um, and I, I hate to be mentioning this at this hour of the morning, but the photographs have, have dogs as well. Dogs inside in cages. Uh, these, are, these are meat markets now. It's, it's just awful. Uh, I mentioned yesterday, and of course we, we know it potentially came from meat markets in Wuhan in China. I mentioned yesterday that I didn't know of anyone appearing in court regarding Golfgate. We were talking about judges and judicial sentencing yesterday. And lo and behold, from the sky came the story of two politicians and two hoteliers who are actually due to appear in court next week on charges relating to the Oroctus Golf Society dinner in Galway. Why hasn't Christy Moore recorded a song on that yet? Maybe he has. But anyway, uh, so you have two, which will be Noah Grealish and the former Fianna Fáil Senator Donny Cassidy and John Sweeney and his son James from the hotel itself. They're due next week at Clifton District Court. So it'll be interesting to see that. Things are so bad with housing uh, and the conditions that people are living in, according to uh, Thresholds, the Echo has it on its front page this morning, uh, that renters in Cork are putting up with dangerous living conditions uh, to avoid, you know, um, eviction, possible homelessness, if they look for their homes or their apartments or flats to be improved. And it's good to hear that Charlene Corkery, the owner of Box of Kindness, who was hacked by the Russians, apparently, they were looking for 10 grand. She's back up again and she's building her Instagram page um, and things are going from strength to strength. <coughs> War of words between Sinead O'Connor and uh, Ian Bailey and the Red Tops love this kind of story. The Sun this morning says Sinead is at war with Bailey. Sinead and Bailey blow uh, um, trade blows over their head to head. Um, they're both giving completely different versions, completely different accounts of their lunch meeting. Apparently, it went on for five hours, and Sinead O'Connor is saying words along the lines of um, that uh, Ian Bailey at the start of the lunch is a very different person to Ian Bailey at the end of it, after a lot of liquor was consumed. Um, so, uh, to both of them, they're the only two that actually know what was discussed at the lunch, but it seems to be all about whether or not Sinead wanted to meet him to use his poetry for music and songs. She's denying it, and actually, I'm being very mild about what she's saying, actually, particularly on her own Twitter page. Um, but with regards to... Um, 
from social media back to uh, communication and what have you. And the French were the ones that started this first, but replying to work emails outside the office um, is actually unhealthy if you're constantly catching up. Uh, it's bad for your mental health. It's bad, bad for your body's metabolism. It will lead to you suffering more worry and also exhaust, just exhaustion. And you should be telling those that you work with that it also is giving you headaches and back pain because apparently it will. It's, I don't know, I mean, it's having an awful lot. Well, yesterday I was looking for things that kids could do over the summer. Um, it's either a feast or a famine. And then the Echo come along and they give like 30 different things, maybe, yeah, 30 fun and playful places for children to go and have good crack this summer in Cork. And I will read out some of those a little later on. But I love this one from the Star, where I think they actually asked kids themselves their top 20 favorite activities. Number one, riding my bike, followed by running around. <laughs> Just running around, having an ice cream, spending time with mum and dad, having a picnic, feeding the ducks, climbing trees, jumping in puddles, collecting shells, exploring forests, playing hide and seek, building sandcastles, jumping in waves, rolling down hills, uh, seeing wild animals, going on nature trails, getting muddy and seeing flowers. So it's great to see very little has changed. Imagine when you read out that list, very little has changed in hundreds and hundreds of years because there isn't one single thing in there that has anything to do with technology, which is great because Netflix are getting into the video game. It was okay when everybody was happy enough with Netflix and you're trying to work your way through it over the past 16 months. But now Netflix also would be taking on the likes of PlayStation and all those other kind of systems because they're getting into the video game market as well. And I just wanted to mention, because I love these little quirky stories, The gun that killed Billy the Kid 140 years ago is up for sale. If you've got 2 million euro, you may be able to buy it. It's reputed to be the gun um, that uh, the Wild West outlaw is reputed to have gunned down at least 27 men before being shot himself for the age of 21. The Colt single action revolver used by Sheriff Pat Garrett. To gun down Billy the Kid in 1881 is going on sale in Los Angeles next month. I love those kind of stories. And I was talking about stamps earlier on in the week going for two and a half and four and a half and six and a half million. But the gun that killed Billy, Billy, Billy the Kid, I'd say that would go for a lot more than two million. Anybody remember the film back in the 1970s, the Sam Peckinpah movie called um, uh, Pat Garrett and, and Billy the Kid? It was a fantastic film. Chris Christopherson and James Coburn and Bob Dylan actually acted in that film. If you haven't seen it, give yourself a treat if you like westerns, the cowboy movies. It's a lot more than just that. It's quite a dark movie. In fact, it's the film that gave us Bob Dylan's song, Knocking on Heaven's Door, because that features in the movie. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, go and watch it. The Neil Prenderville Show. Yes, indeed. Lines open 1-850-104-106. We're heading into the weekend, and it's Friday, and that means a lot of different things, including the fact that it's a free food Friday. So text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. We will have three winners again today. Each winner will receive four large, and I mean large, pizza voucher uh, coupons uh, and two sides to go with it. Courtesy of ourselves, an oak fire pizza, real wood fire pizza. They're open in Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street, Gillabby Street, now the new store at the East Village in Douglas, and I hear tell more to come. So uh, that's across the morning. We'll do some shout-outs starting a half an hour's time. So text 0868104106. 
who you are and where you are and you may well be a winner today so good luck with that now um, you heard in the may have heard in the news yesterday and uh, I actually had an email in on this with regard and, uh, does anybody think it's kind of very early in the summer to be even worrying and stressing and getting anxious about back to school like we're still in July but obviously people do when they're doing the household budgeting and they're wondering about balancing the books and paying the bills you know and, and others then Emer was telling me like to get it sorted early you know it's a bit like people shopping for christmas in august others like to get the school stuff done in july or june or whatever like i got a phone call in from a lady about the cost of going back to school and she was telling me that she has two kids to send back to school and is under a ferocious amount of pressure and she rang a bookshop to hold on to books until she gets back the till she gets the the back to school allowance will you hold on to all of these i will get them just keep them for me so they're not all gone and i can do it now and i'll come back to you when i get the back to school allowance but they wouldn't do it she said they were actually quite horrible about it but of course the reality is she just can't afford it at the moment is because her husband's out of work uh, he's had a big operation and she's also had to take time off work to care for him. So he's due back to work in August and that'll be a big help, she was telling me. But she's desperately worried about how they're going to manage. So she said, it's a choice at the moment between food on the table and getting their school stuff. And then having to deal with the fact that she was treated so badly by the bookshop because she can't afford to pay everything up front. Years ago, people would set stuff aside for you and we had things like a manage and what have you. Uh, but apparently, um, and unless we can find a, a, a school a shop that will like a bookshop that actually will do it for her. But it got me thinking about that because then the credit union came out yesterday and saying that it's costing €1,200 Euro to send a child back to primary school and €1,500 Euro to send a secondary child back to secondary school. And apparently, people are now going to credit unions to take off loans to pay back money lenders. That's where we're at now. So I posted that out on social media, got an interesting response to it. But also, with the back-to-school cost still a struggle for Cork parents, according to the, the credit union, we decided we'd take to the streets, or at least Seamus did, to the streets of Cork with his trusty mic in hand to see, should the government be doing more for struggling families? And when I say struggling families, I'm not just talking about back-to-school costs, but also, you know, things like childcare uh, or picking up the tab for crash facilities and stuff like that. I know it might sound like a perfect word, world, but it's not too bad to dream, is it? Definitely. Definitely. And, and it's, it should be a priority. Without a doubt. Because at this point in time of the year, you're a few months off Christmas as well. And it's a real serious worry just getting them to school and running smack into Christmas at the same time. When you were putting your kids through school, was it that expensive? Did you did you did you struggle yourself? No, we did, we did. We did. We did. We did. We struggled all right, like, but they got through it. They got through it. Gordon are married now, like, but I have grandchildren going to school now. And like, I know. what does it make you feel that when it's kind of twelve hundred per That's your kids? It's very expensive. Even if for one, if someone had two or three children. Or even twins going to the belief my god kids are twins and they're going just to secondary school at the minute and it's costing them a fortune. Do you know what I mean? So 
I think it's ridiculous really the way the government is carrying on at the minute. There's great help now in the schools. Like some of them do the free book scheme and you have the uniform and you have the back to school money. You know, I remember when mine were going to school, you just had to do your own thing. Just got ahead with it. Got a, just got on with it, like. The they should give them the vouchers instead of the cash. Don't Because the they're going else. It's going else. I know there is poverty there, but a lot of it can be self-inflicted as well. You know, and when you have it, you, you, you know, you will always have the parasites. But... You know, there are genuine poverty. There is, there is genuine poverty. Single parents. But when you get it, you have, you have to have your priorities right. I mean, those people can't pay their mortgages. You know, just living week to week. You know, what they're calling some of those people now. Is what they have is food poverty. So they're trying to keep up with the bills, and um, they just can't afford the the food on the the table. And they're actually going, like we said, to some of the food banks down around Cork, Penny Dinners, Feed Cork and all that kind of thing, right? I know that the government is under pressure as well with the expense of this COVID and what does that cost in the country? So they can't do everything. Just an idea of how people reacted to that topic on the streets yesterday with the credit union saying that many people are coming to them for loans now because they've become attached to money lenders to cover school costs. And it's not just the cost of books. There's a lot of extracurricular activity within schools, school contributions. And I suppose everybody's so fashion conscious now, particularly the kids and the teenagers, that you're really run from pillar to post trying to give them everything that they want but um, there's a lot of Mary says there's a lot of self-inflicted costs I think and keeping up with the Joneses as well like the self-inflicted costs include hip-hop classes swimming classes gymnastics summer camps midterm camps Easter camps GAA soccer and basketball I have to say I love all of those because they're energetic they're physical they're exercise but unfortunately they come as a cost as you say Um, I don't know whether they're self-inflicted I mean I'd like to see more of that actually and less of the sitting around doing sedentary stuff. But back after the break, calls and texts on the way. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Jennifer says, as a parent, it's not like we don't know the cost is coming, is it? Put away a tenner a week, it'll help. Another one, these costs are not realistic, the ones you've quoted. I've just now, I've, I've two in secondary and both haven't cost that much, nowhere near it. I'd love to see how you came up with those figures. Karen says, it's so unfair, I think we should get help with these costs, whatever, whatever about primary, but definitely when it comes to secondary school. I have two in secondary, I'll admit. 1500 for one child seems a bit strange but I would end up paying near that for my two kids together most years, says Kellyanne. Morning, half the books are never used, you know, in school. Um, you get the list every year with so much on it. I'm sick of the waste. The following year, there's another list and another update. Something has to change. Uh, 1,200, you said, in primary? Sorry now, but I don't believe it. I have two kids. One will be in third class and the other in first. There's no way that I'm spending this kind of crazy money, says Sylvia. There's loads of these, just one or two more. I'm sending my son to secondary school. It cost me about a 1000 The school requires him to have an iPad, which costs 500 Bosserin is 350 a year. School fees are 350 a year. I have two girls also in first class and fourth class, which is a thousand for both of them, including everything they need. Why is it only people on the dole are getting a school allowance? 
I think the government uh, should give some money for school expenses. Child benefit is for all. So school allowance should be for all as well. I think when you put it like that, you make an awful lot of sense, actually. Uh, why would some families with children be, uh, you know, segregated? I know we use that word all too often these days, but don't understand why a lot of people are looking for free stuff. Imagine going to work and management tells me I'm not going to get paid and my services are for free because I'm making dinners for the residents in the nursing homes anyway. Uh, it'd be my service to the community. Um, not sure I follow that one, but I've two in primary and my youngest will be starting Montessori. I absolutely don't spend anywhere near that for two in primary. My girls' school does the book rental, so that includes all stationery as well. Uh, and because almost all parents do it, it keeps the cost down. There's no school uniform, so you don't have to buy anything for them starting out. And Well, you don't have to buy a 150 euro runners, no? Uh, anyway, the family contributions are voluntary in the school, but we pay off in installments, so it's manageable. Secondary, well, I'm not looking forward to that at all, says Susan, because I think that will be entirely different. To the phone lines, Maria, good morning. Hi, how are you? Um, maybe you might be able to put this in context because you are, have kids going through the school system. Talk to me about, uh, like, for instance, is it primary or secondary? Oh, primary. Okay, okay. One would imagine that it probably will get dearer in secondary, but what are you going through now? So, like, at the moment, I'm paying 88 for two school tracksuits. Now, they don't have uniform yet until they get to first class. So it's literally just two two polo shirts, two pants. Um, and it's a case of it's 88 euros for both. So the way I see it is I could go to pennies and I could spend 100 euros and not... Like, they wouldn't get the wear out of it, whereas they wear these five days a week. So, on top of the tracksuits, there's the polo shirts, the books, um, runners, yeah, bags. My experience so far, anyway, is it doesn't come anywhere near a 1,200 absolute max, and that's if I include runners and a jacket, but I buy them anyway. So, where do they get these figures, then? They're saying 1,200 for a child to secondary and 1,500 Sorry, twelve hundred primary, fifteen hundred for secondary. That that's the reason I wanted to talk to people about this. This is according to costs released by the credit unions. Yeah, I don't know where they're getting those. Oh, myself, if I used to go to the credit union for a loan, I'd probably add in a little bit extra and just chance my arm. To be honest, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I didn't kind of think of that actually. Yeah. Um, but could it be all of the extra, you know, I read out some of the extra activity there in, in, in primary and secondary schools all, and the summer camps and all of the different camps and like that yeah, all adds up. You do that with kids anyway, do you know what I mean? Like you send them to camps, you send them to any extracurricular activities, maybe swimming or whatever. I don't understand why that factors into back to school. It's not as if the school are like, you must sign up for A, B and C. I as a parent would do that anyway. Well, there's a difference now between sending them back to school and sending them to school because the credit union said that the 1500 is to send them to secondary school. They said school books are top of the list, extracurricular activities are second, and all of these school-seeking voluntary contributions. I hear tell that people get bills for photocopying, is that right? Um, that's not my experience yet anyway. Um, as I said, I only have primary school. Um, we paid 50 euros last year for extra workbooks um, and nine euros for school insurance. That's all I had to actually pay at school. And they were happy with 25 euro runners, were they? Um, 
she's six. <laughs> Thankfully, she's not giving out about it yet, but I'm, I'm the type of person that I'd look for the sales. Okay, so you can... So, yeah. like, I could... I actually have a pair of runners under the stairs for September for her. And, and there's... They're and sketchers. They cost 22 euros. Um... The figures talk about 1500 for secondary school and 1200 for primary. You don't have a uniform, though. No, we just have the crested tracksuit. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you're as coming, I said, I could be very, very lucky, yeah. but that's my experience. Somebody else says, I don't, I don't understand these prices. I've got one going into third year and another in fifth class. My oldest has gotten a new uniform as he's outgrown the other one. My youngest needed two tracksuits. Uh, with the cost of that and the book rentals in the school, plus the new sack uh, and copies, the cost of sending mine back is nowhere near what they're saying. Uh, I'd love to know who comes up with the figures, says Rose. So she agrees with you in that regard anyway, that's for sure. Yeah, that, as I said, that's my own experience. I could end up giving out in a couple of years' time going, where's all this coming from? All right, from well, if we're all still around, um, come back and let me know. primary school. Let me know if it changes as you go through it and into secondary school. Thanks, Maria. Have a great weekend. Take care. With no, regards to the back-to-school allowance, actually, it is mean test, means-tested. Uh, it's a once-off cash payment. Uh, to help back to school costs. It's €150 one-off payment. It's very small for each child. Uh, And it's 275 then for 12 to 22-year-olds. So somebody who qualifies, say, with three children aged 4, 7 and 13 would get 575 Somebody in the Vox earlier on was suggesting when they're given that money, do they actually spend it? on their children's back-to-school costs in the first place. All right, keep those texts coming. Text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on one 106 Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Good to hear you. How are and you? you too. Thanks for holding. Now, uh, you, wanted, you wanted to pick up, because we were referencing the, the medieval quarter, the downtown, the 50 million they're going to spend down there. You know, I went through all of the different streets in the area. And, yeah. the, and the close on 2 billion that's going to be invested in Cork in the years to come, uh, you wanted to pick up on that it's not such a not a happy sight down there. Sometimes is it? Well, unfortunately, in this day and age, with such vandalism, such blackguarding, such um, you know disrespect for places, the 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 company. Hall McKnight of Belfast they won the competition there was 32 companies entered it and they won top marks to them and the prize was 30,000 now top marks to our former Lord Mayor John Sheehan he came out very very much in favour so did historian Kieran McCarthy okay my big concern Neil is that since the park opened in back in 1986 um, there's been no problem at night as such. The problem was before the place closed, when you got people going in there drinking and messing around and destroying the place. And the dirt, as one person mentioned there the other day, the dirt that's there in the morning that the corporation people have got to clean up for them is appalling. Now, my big concern is that if the gates are taken down and if the park is open by night... Is the plan to to take the gates down, is that part of the... Apparently, it is, yeah. Yeah. it is, yeah. Okay. I'm completely against it. Now, as I say, eminent people like uh, Karen McCarthy, John Sheehan are in favour of the plans. They've seen it. I've not seen it, but I've been in touch. I can assure you with the... Uh, what do you think it will be used for? Oh, my God, on my tonight, obviously, drinking, drugging, uh, food parties, fellas sleeping there at night, blackguarding. You know yourself. Now, most teenagers and young people will tell you, tongue... At, at the weekends is a dangerous place to go. You and your program and several other mm. programs and reports in the paper, 
week in, week out, talk about the damage, the detrimentation and violence that happened. Yeah, there's a lot of it. There's a guy got, um, got jailed there yesterday because he was walking down the street and a woman in a skirt passed him and he did woohoo and lifted up her skirt. All that kind right. of stupidity. Right, right. Yeah, actually, yeah, he got yeah. a jail sentence for it. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. But a, a massive, beautiful park like that. Unfortunately, back in 1978, I have a letter there, probably sent it to you originally back 12 months ago, about um, making suggestions to the city manager at the time. And the man I uh, negotiated with was a man called Dennis McCarthy, who was a city uh, architect. And, you know, made, making the suggestion when um, Jennings's, when McGregor's, and Richard Max Pub and so on were burned down, that they'd be turned into a park. And it has been a, a jewel in Cork City since. And my concern is that if it's allowed to open, you know what happened. It's on your programme time in, time out. That during, uh, during the early part of the summer, when the weather was fantastic, where it was the lock, whether it is Bellnock, whether it is Douglas, whether it is any But hold on a second now. If there was no COVID... What went on in the lock would have been fine, wouldn't it? It's just young people hanging out, having a couple of cold beers. I understand that they need to take their junk with them. But other than that, that's okay, isn't it? Well, well, people have got to exercise. People have got to get out and meet people and have fun and and, and get on with life. But the, the, the disrespect that took place and the filth and dirt we just take the lot that I'd be very very familiar and friendly and uh, familiar with and living quite near it and take like place like Ballin Lock or whether it is um, place in Mayfield or place in the north side or in Bishopstown or in Rochestown people disrespect it and the place will be destroyed Neil the place will be destroyed if it's left open at night there's no problem there with the place being locked at this point in time Fitzgerald's Park is locked Another fantastic... Bishop Lucy Park locked at night now it is? It is, yeah. Okay. And, and so is Tremor Valley. And you want that to continue? Continue, yeah. Right, but you see, why don't we try and help the people who are addicted to drugs more? Why don't we try and help the people who are heroin addicts? Or why don't we help the homeless? Why don't we help people who have drink addictions and sleep on benches? By all means, yeah, certainly. That's, a, that's part and parcel of, I suppose, of a, a Christian society, you know, that we help our neighbours and so on. But... The damage that'll be done down there, I can assure you, like just mentioning a few places around the city, that damage was done. Could you imagine, all fairness, and I'm probably going a little bit extreme here, could you imagine if the city library was left open at night? Could you imagine if the the, the museum of Fitzgerald's Park was left open at night? You know, the place would be ransacked. Yeah. People, unfortunately, once they get drink and drugs in them, unfortunately, they just go ballistic. All right, my man, let's get other thoughts on that, but thank you for your contribution. Much obliged, Mike. It's very interesting, though, because you're saying, what about helping people more, helping people? people more, particularly those in the throes of addictions. I um, uh, got a very interesting email, and I'll read it now because it's that time. It makes sense to read it now. Uh, Dear Neil, it's okay not to be okay. I've heard that sentence so much over the last few years. Ask for help, people say. Reach out, all of the above. And I believed it. I believed we lived in a country where if you do those things, you do get help. Wrong. I was so wrong. I cannot get into the specifics, but a family member tried to take their own life. They were in an awful way. We were desperate, desperate to get the help. It was a nightmare. Because the person did not have private health insurance, private health care, the leading facilities in Ireland were quoting us. €47,000 for St. Pat's for 30 days, Neil. 30 days, 47000 €36,000 for St. John of God's, 30 days. How did this happen? A price on a life. You literally are trying to keep them alive. And yes, the obvious thing is, well, just send them to a public hospital with a psychiatric ward. 
We tried that first and the person was discharged worse than the when, when they went in and got zero counselling. My heart breaks for all families who lost someone because something like money came into effect with these disgusting quotes for care. I hope you read this out. I hope you bring this discussion to light. But keep my own details private, please. Thank you. Uh, quoting prices like 47000 for 30 days at St. Pat's and 36000 at for 30 days at St. John of God's. There are others, of course, besides them, and I imagine those prices wouldn't be far off. Um, but 30 days... 47 grand, you'd have to if you were in a position to take out a loan for something like that, wouldn't you? Anyway, those thoughts and more, text 0868104106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now, 1850-104-106. Red FM. You betcha, don't forget, text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. Free food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. Um, yes, I did see it. It was uh, it was a tweet that was doing the rounds last night and it's related to a Cork story. Um, so, uh, I don't, I'm not starting the sentence with the word so. So the tweet was, so a young referee at a schoolboy game recently in Cork is confronted after the game by an angry parent who disapproved of the ref's performance. This parent repeatedly threatened to kill the young referee. If not today, then the next day. Now that is clearly a threat of intent to me. Don't know whether the young referee went to the guards or reported it or how he responded to the angry parent. I don't know whether it was the mam or the dad made that uh, threat to kill. If not today, then the next day. But we went straight to Pat Kelly, leading ref. Um, um, he's refed everything from schoolboys all the way up uh, to international soccer games. He's a referee assessor now, so he probably works with refs and in, in helping them to be, to be better refs. And he joins me by phone. Pat, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How good to talk to you again. How how prevalent is that kind of stuff? Well, I can go back fifty years, Neil, when it happened to me when I was only a young referee at twenty years of age, and it's a frightening experience. Can you share that experience? What, what happened? I can. I, I'll tell you what. I was refereeing in the Cox School by League, and uh, I was uh, promoted to junior football, and I was refereeing uh, one of the top junior matches and I gave a free kick to a team outside the penalty area where the incident happened. And the player who I gave the free kick to confronted me and said, it's a penalty. And with that, he headbutted me. <sighs> breaking my nose. And I was unconscious for a couple of seconds. I came round and I was walking off the pitch and a player of the same team came from the side and boxed me into the side of the head. Good God. Right? Now, that went to court because that's the procedure. We go to court uh, and it was thrown over to district court. So I was advised to bring it to the circuit court. And he was found guilty. Of assault? Of assault, yeah. And uh, I don't know what the procedure was, whether he was fined uh, or not. But it happened to me on a second occasion a long time later when a supporter again grabbed me by the throat over the bonnet of a car. After a match? After a match, yeah. And uh, a friend of his came to my house the night before the court case and offered me £2,000, which was a lot of money at that time. Good God. And I said, no, thank you. 
were going into court tomorrow morning and he was fined 10 pounds. And a colleague of his was heard to say it was worth that. It was worth going, it was worth going to court for a tenor fine to, yeah. to assault you. That's it. Yeah, but that's that's total BS because he must have been absolutely panicked to offer you money. You don't think that you'd oh, have hurt yeah. you, you? don't think actually that you'd have hurt him more by taking the two grand? No, it was a lot of money no, back then. No, 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 I wasn't interested. I was only trying to safeguard the future of other referees that would come come after me. Okay, so if that was you're saying over nearly fifty years ago, um, yeah. has it? Is it always happening that, or has has it stopped not, now and it's just always. isolated? Not always. I mean. The leagues, I'd have to give um, the, the leagues credit here now because they have strong disciplinary measures. But the schoolboys league I mean, is where everybody starts off. And we have five referee observers who go and look at these young referees. And, you know, we're there to coach them. We're not there to find faults. We're trying to help them into their next matches. And what happens then is, you know, you go to see some young fella He's doing okay. You have a word with him after. You send him a written report with a few things to improve on, maybe. Mm. Other referees are just the grand if they keep going as they are. Yeah. And all they want to do is reach the highest level. Like any schoolboy player, they so, would, you know, they'd be playing at schoolboys league and they would hope to end up either in the League of Ireland or cross channel or whatever. But when the parents become involved, they think that their young fella is going to be the next superstar. Ah, so it's the parents on the sideline that have become the yes. problem now, is it? Exactly. Exactly. And I, I can hear, I mean, I go to, I'd go to four or five matches a week, night matches, weekend matches and things like that. And you have the same thing. And you feel like turning around to these people and say, I'd love to give you a whistle and send you out there. <laughs> and, and, and the same with players. Players that are sent off, you know, this idea of suspending them for two weeks or whatever, I, I'd love to put a whistle in the mode. No, you, you, you just reminded me of something, and I'll come back to the rest of our conversation, but why is it that it's soccer players that always um, argue the toss with refs, but rugby don't? Rugby don't. I envy, always envied rugby referees over the same thing. And it's the culture, uh, Neil. These young fellas playing rugby are... You know, they're taught about this. You don't answer the referee. You don't question the referee. And in football, it's what we see on television. And the kids take it on board and they feel they're entitled to say something. And the captain feels because he's the captain, he can question the referee. Yeah. Which is not the case. And you know what the parents then, like if you go back 20, 30, 40 years ago, were, and there are now parents on the sideline, but were they on the sidelines years ago? Not that many. Yeah. And why are they now? Well, no, we see <laughs> social media and everything else now. Everybody knows who's playing and they all want to go and see their kids playing. And I go and see, I just go and see my kids playing and my grandkids. And it's important to take an interest in your kids' sports, isn't it? Of but to, it is. to keep your P's yeah. and Q's and your mouth shut on the sideline as well. Yeah. And I, I didn't see. The programme on RT, you know, last night about women's football or women in sport. I mean, I will look at it yeah. at a later stage. Yeah. Anna Geary. Yeah. That, that's right, yeah. We're trying to get women into refereeing as well. And, you know, and I organised a course for 14 of the senior women 
uh, with the FAI uh, to look after their own under-14s and 15 girls when their own season was finished. And, of course, somebody put a set of fixtures on the night the course was on, which upscuttled all the plans. Yeah, yeah. But that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to encourage young uh, young girls, or, you know, the senior players, to look after the young but girls. But can, um, can parents be banned from the sideline if they're repeat offenders? Can a ref very, go over to them? And t- but can a very ref difficult. go over to them and tell them to... Well, be- yeah. I mean, the, the home club are responsible, or the club are responsible for their spectators. You know? Yeah. And the thing about it is... Well, would a ref be slow to go over to a parent for fear of confrontation? Well, some people are. Some people are slow to go over. They, they, what they would do is they'd go to the manager of the club and say, will you have a word with the parents down there? Because if this continues, I'm going to just walk away. Is it shouting abuse at the ref? That's what they're doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, has has the ref ever just walked off? Oh, yes. Oh, that's happened numerous, on numerous occasions. And uh, it's be up to the league then or the, the FAI to deal with it. Where the match would be abandoned. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? So in the case of the ref, the young ref that I just referred to earlier on, what's the protocol? 19 years of age, nearly is. 19? 19 years of age, and he was refereeing under 16. So the the players were three years younger than him. Um, And what's the protocol there for him then? Is it to report it to the guards? He did everything professionally now, Neil. He went to the guards reported the incident. This match was on at half a seven or something on, on Tuesday night. And by the time he went to the Galway in Middleton, uh, the match wasn't in Middleton. It was... Yeah, I won't, I won't drill, into, drill yeah, into the match no, itself. No, yeah. Need, yeah, no. yeah. Um, but he went to the, the Gal and it was 11 o'clock when he left the Gal's barracks on Tuesday night. So, so he before. would have filled out a statement? Yep. And he sent his report into the... Cox School Boys League and they'll deal with the, the incident. I spoke to the chairman of the club involved and I know he's fuming over it and knowing the man personally, I know he wouldn't entertain anybody. Like so do you that. think that the guards will call on that family or on well, that parent? Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. And how is the young uh, lad? How is the young ref? He's, he's grand. I, I only spoke to him earlier this morning. I spoke to him on Wednesday night um, when he sent me the report. And he said he wasn't feeling great on Tuesday night, but he was okay on Wednesday. And it didn't deter him from giving up the whistle, from uh, retiring or anything. It didn't, sorry, it didn't deter him from continuing his refereeing. Yeah, I mean, refs are central. I mean, we saw that more than ever with regards to uh, Euro 2020. Um, yeah. I know we, just, just finally, I mean, we have VAR technology now, which is the, the video replay. Where are you at with that? Is, is that a great addition? Does that help refs? I, I think anything that helps referees, I'm in favour of. And, you know, the Cox School Boys League every week, Neil, send out uh, an email to a group of people we're short referees for this, 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 this. Maybe 10 matches they're short referees for. And we have junior referees then who may be free and would give their time to the school wisely yeah. to help them out. Yeah, it's an awful thing. And I suppose. This is the answer then. Yeah, that's what you get. All right, listen, it's good to catch up. Just one final question as, a, as an eminent international referee. Raheem Sterling, uh, penalty or dive? 
<laughs> I I won't comment. <laughs> I, I keep my thoughts to myself. <laughs> they, might, they might think I'm biased towards <laughs> our friends across the water. So well, you, you listen. Forgive me for at least trying. <laughs> All right, Pat. Cheers. Nice to talk to you again. Well, Take care. And you. Bye. The great Bye. Pat Kelly. Lines open on that, particularly with regards to parents on the sidelines. Have you experienced it? Um, you know, if you have, do share. Text 86 Hey, it's Killian. Join me Sundays from 10 for loads of music, a bit of chat, and my mildly interesting facts of the weekend. It's the Sunday 10 to 2 show with Killian on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850 104 106. Red FM. Right, I'll do some free food Friday shout outs in a couple of seconds' time, but I just need to take some time because I have been talking and reading out different articles and items during the week about the things that kids could do over the summer here on Leeside. And I got an email in from one of people wondering, a family wondering about wheelchair accessible places in Cork because one of their kids is in a wheelchair. Uh, and I think it's probably Seamus put this together. Uh, it's wheelchair accessible places to visit over the weekend when the weather is good. Things to do for, say for instance, a child or a loved one in a wheelchair. So the Hippo Camp Beach wheelchair is available for use at the Warren Beach in Ross Carberry. I'm assuming that's some sort of a uh, a wheelchair that is accessible in and out of the water. I'm just taking a flyer on that. Uh, so you can book that through Ross Carberry Pitch and Putt Club. The wheelchair can be taken out in one-hour slots. It's a super idea, and uh, get further details on it from Ross Carberry Pitch and Putt Club. Um, drop into the clubhouse or give them a bell, uh, 87 Some of the other things that you can do, of course, that are very wheelchair accessible include Photo Wildlife Park, Photo House and Gardens, Leahy's Farm, Bantry House and Gardens, the Donkey Century, Blarney Castle Gardens, Gugambara, which is a fabulous bay. If you've never been there, your first visit to Gugambara would be a mind blower. And Donneril Park. Um, and, you know, you talk about first visit to something being a mind blower. That's exactly the experience I had weeks, weeks back when I went up to the Glen Valley Park, um, the Glen um, and the park up there that's been created. It is unreal. But in fairness, um, uh, our city and county councils have a very good app that you can download. It's called Pure Cork. Uh, you can also just visit the website, purecork.ie. And they list um, loads and do- actually I mentioned it earlier, 30 different fun and playful things that the kids of Cork can do across the good weather and the rest of the summer. So I'll break it into two different lots and I'll do the first one, some of them now. Scoot down the marina, explore the Coke Zero bikes, go otter spotting on the Lee, have a picnic in Bell's Field, uh, make a daisy chain at Nanonagel Place, find your bog age at the Butter Museum up by Shandon, get locked up at Cork City Jail, go underground at the Triscoll Christchurch. Um, that's, I wonder what underground aspect of Christchurch that is. Uh, I wonder if it's down into the vaults. Sounds interesting. Get Locked up in the stocks at the Elizabeth Fort. Find the medieval bowling ball at the Cork Public Museum. Um, Play chasing or fly a kite in the Lee Fields. Skim a stone across the Lee. Float a paper boat on the lock. Stargaze at Blackrock Castle Observatory. Uh, Visit the labyrinth at St. Finbar's Cathedral. They'd love that. what else have they got? I'll just do the rest now. Find the right time on one of the four clock faces of Shandon. Play poo sticks. 
Am I pronouncing that right? Is it poo or poo sticks? Assuming it isn't involving actual poo. Uh, <laughs> tells you my age, I suppose. Glenville River Park. Make a wish at the witch's wishing steps of Blarney Castle. Run over the shaky bridge and run back again and run again and run back again. Um, here's one that could actually be quite dangerous. Balance on the silver ball at Fitzcharles Park. I wouldn't suggest that anybody sits on any of the silver balls in Fitzgerald's Park in the coming days um, because it would be like sitting on top of a hot stove. So I'd avoid them like the plague with the good weather. Just too hot. One or two others. Find the little boys on the rubble in St. Peter's. What's that? Find the shiny tree in Fitzgerald's Park. Do the art trail at UCC at the Glucksman. Find the Cork Town Walls at Bishop Lucy Park. That would be a fantastic thing to do. Hunt for medals at the Military Museum at Collins Barracks. And most importantly for kids, treat yourself to sweets at Lenehan's at Shandon. Fantastic. If you want those, you can get them yourself. Purecork.ie forward slash play trail. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. On a free food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. Pizza please for Con's Shop in Gronabraha. For Crowley Engineering, MMD Construction are listening at the airport. Eurostyle and Cork are listening. Morning Rebecca, Cara and Stephen. To TK Maxx and Douglas. Morning to Larkin. To REA O'Donoghue Clark Auctioneers on the Mall. Sorry, Cook Street. Horgan's Garage and Kerry Pike. Unique Fit Out. Little Ireland Transport. Brothers of Charity. Doyle's Shipping, O'Donovan's Life Pharmacy, Argos, Cork Distribution in Little Island, uh, Tig Hall Motors in Toker, Motor Parts, Chair Artistry of Hair on George's Key, Cheeky Cherubs, AP Vaughan Recycling, Safety Tech, love the show, morning to all of the gang, Alter Domus in the airport, they forgot their lunch apparently, Slide Glides, Slide Glide at the Southside Industrial Estate, Striker and Carrick Tool, RPC Haulage, and Little Island Dental Surgery, and then some people who are at home, uh, shout out to my son Caleb, who we're having his party on Sunday when the weather will be fine. It'll be a lot more than fine. Pizza would be great, says Mum Shelley. I wanted two more. Ella, Ella McGarvey, hard at work at home, clean in the house. Uh, Megan's on Cathedral Road. My twins are turning five on Monday. It will be a great treat. Uh, one or two more shout outs. Uh, love pizza, please. It's my daughter Sophie's 17th birthday today. What a treat uh, for her it would be, says Susan Cotter and Ballon Colleague. Uh, and we'll do some more across the morning. Keep those texts coming. Text who you are and where you are to 0868 106. I'd say if Sonia ordered a pizza these days, she wouldn't be able to finish it. She probably wouldn't even be able to finish a slice of it. Aren't I right, Sonia? Hiya, good morning. Uh, yeah, I'd like to sit down and I'll be having a slice of pizza, be but, sorted. But would you get through the slice of it with your gastric sleeve, though? How much of it could you eat? I'd probably get a slice into me, all right, because I've had the sleeve, so I have a little bit more leeway than anyone who's had a full bypass. So there's like there's the gastric sleeve, there's a gastric bypass, and there's a gastric band. Are they all different? There is. They're all completely different, so I suppose it depends on the kind of lifestyle you have or, you know, it really varies to either medical conditions, what's recommended to you. So it's not just like, oh, let's just pick a surgery. You have to really look into what one is going to suit you. But they're all effective, though. Yeah, well, they're all effective if you stick to it. Like, it's still... I mean, you still have to work in it. Um, like every day, you still have to sit down and plan everything, what you're going to eat, what you can manage. You have to be very particular about the stuff that you're eating. 
So it's still, it's a whole training, but you're starting off from scratch. And that's what it is. So it's not that you you can eat anything in tiny portions. Like, what can't you eat? Um, What can't I eat? I struggle with meat at the moment. Um, You know, certain types of meat um, I struggle with. Um, I can't eat yogurts. They make me feel really sick. Um... Jaffa cakes, chocolate, can't do it um, anymore. Kind of sweet things. That's not such so, a bad thing, I suppose. There's lots of people no, who would like to be like that. No, there's things you're going, well, thank God I can't eat that. I can't stand you, uh, ice cream anymore. Um, it just feels like an explosion that I'm eating spoons of sugar. Amazing, um, isn't it? So, yeah. Now, in time, I think that changes because every week you kind of, well, just try something new, try something again that didn't make you feel sick. So, yeah, like it's, it's but it's definitely... Yeah. Well, your call to me was prompted by other girls who've been on who either are going or have come back from Turkey, having gone through either the gastric sleeve, the bypass or the banding. Although I don't hear much about gastric banding anymore. But but your backstory that got you up to a size 24 all had to do with um, a bad fall, wasn't it? It was. I had a fall 22 years ago and I would have been kind of four and a half, five months pregnant at the time. And I fell down two flights of stairs. So I had damaged and I dislocated my hip and it had popped back in, but seemingly I had dislocated it, damaged all my toes, damaged all my left side. um, Shattered the coccyx bone, which is a very exposed bone, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so I had done that so I would have suffered. Now, I was really lucky because I was still able to get around. um, Baby okay, though, after that fall, yeah? Yeah. Baby was fine. He's twenty-two. He's he's grand. You know, six foot four, fine, hefty young fat. You know, because <laughs> you'd worry falling down two flights of stairs, oh, yeah, five months pregnant. Oh, it. yeah, yeah. So it would have been a massive worry at the time. But it was kind of the meds that kicked in afterwards. So it was like sciatica. It was back pain for years. I was a barber at the time, so I had to give that job up. So I had to retrain for something else and. It continued, but it would have been, I would have kind of just went, oh, I suffer with sciatica, I have back pain, and that would have been fine, but it kind of limited me to exercise. So the weight crept on, didn't it? Yeah, and five years ago then, I got out of bed and I thought, oh no, back is at me. And when it got really bad, I knew, right, I need to get on to my doctor, I need to get an injection, otherwise I'm going to be immobile for a week maybe, or end up in bed, sat in my back. And as I swung my legs out and I put them on the floor I thought oh god that feels weird that feels different and as my feet hit the ground and I went to get up I landed on the floor and was stuck there for about two to three hours because my phone wasn't near me and I couldn't get my legs to work so total paralysis of the legs like completely and I was like I'm in massive trouble here eventually got to my phone rang the hubby you need to get home now and he goes no you need to ring an ambulance now not me get home I said no no it's just my legs I'll be fine and ambulance arrived put me into the bed and said, look, wait, hang on, maybe it's sciatica, maybe it will unpinch. Ended up in hospital, ended up being rushed in for surgery and it got diagnosed that the nerve had pinched even more and I had equina syndrome, which translates to horse's tail. So it literally meant my bladder didn't know how to work. Um, my left side was completely constant, like when you get pins and needles and that horrible sensation. So you couldn't so sleep with time. that, right? Couldn't put sheets on my on my legs because if I did, I'd, I'd be up empty reaching. And it would get to the stage then that, you know, after 
physio and therapy it was the only thing that would give me some bit of relief to get back to sleep was to get up and actually have a shower in the middle of the night maybe twice a night because um, the sensation of the water would take away that horrible sensation of oh, I'm going to be sick it was like morning sickness constantly but it was in my legs which sounds really weird and how long so did that had, go on for? Uh, that went on for about a year and a half to two years because I ended up having a catheter bag in and out and yeah, then I my know. body was and rejecting then, it yeah because the bladder wasn't working like, yeah but, but at so the same uh, that all and then you were on lots of meds to deal with this and then you were sedentary and not moving around And but yeah. at the end of the day you put on an awful lot of weight and a doctor then said, well, why don't we do weight loss surgery, was it? Yeah, it was my original doctor had said, I'd highly recommend because he said, if the weight continues to go on, it's going to put more pressure on this nerve. They got part of it and were able to after the surgery, but I I was left with this tingling sensation in the bladder. So I just had one problem and now I had a different problem, but all again to do with the weight. And What were you, but were you eating a lot of Bad food. You know, the diet wasn't great, so, like, to be honest, but like I would have had a really bad habit of getting up in the morning and not having breakfast. I was really busy. And then lunchtime would come, so then all my eating habits would have started in the evening time. Yeah, that's the danger then, zone, like yeah, after, after seven. As much as I like sweet things, like I bake an awful lot, but I would have been more cheeses and the glass of wine at night time and yeah. the crackers and the salty stuff so like all oh. but you're like oh, but I'm not eating during the day so but like it obviously doesn't matter. Do you know a size 16 what would that equate to weight wise? Um, I'm down into the 14 stone which I haven't been there in years and you know? what was and the other what was the other extreme do you mind me asking? Oh I, I would like at my heaviest I would have kind of been heading towards 21 stone rapidly. Crikey. Now before I went for surgery I had come back down to 19.7 um, with all like pre-diet things that they give you to reduce liver fat and stuff. But if so you hadn't done like, something it would have gone on from 21 oh, and I more. Oh it would have continued yeah. and I thought I'm heading for 50. But when he offered you the weight loss surgery he put a price of it at 15k right? Well, that was the cheapest in Ireland was 15k, but it, it averages out, I think a lot of people and the girls, when I was watching all the pages, um, was about 19,000. 19,000, but if you went yeah. public? Um, if you went public, if, I, I, I think it was about maybe seven or 8,000 still no, that you yeah. might. Yeah, but, but, you, would, but you'd be waiting, would you? Public, oh yeah, um, the waiting list to have it done completely free, um, I would have been on it probably seven years and when I rang up kind of recently kind of back in December they were like oh with the Covid and everything like you could be waiting maybe another three years four So years. you looked at I'm everybody like, else going to Turkey um, for gastric yeah. sleeve surgery and you, you read their stories was it? I did I followed uh, Leah Punch I followed Effie Murphy and I also started following then Sharon as well bypassed by Sharon and because they I've were had a lot of those girls local, on the air, incidentally, yeah. Yeah, and that's where we would have heard them. I mean, the very first time my husband rang me on the way to work and he goes, okay, I'm on the way to work. He said, Neil is a girl on called Effie. She's gone. And I was like, are you telling me I should be listening to us? And he was like, no, no. He says, you started this process. He was nearly afraid to tell me. Like, yeah, And yeah. he was like, but no, he said, at least it's somebody local. You know, they're on a local radio station. They're not fake people. It's not pretend. So he said, go on. And I did. So I started then following and I was like, oh my God, there's so many girls that have gone from All Ireland. for different reasons, you know. Completely but, yeah, all for yeah. different reasons. And I thought, I'm going to have to do something. So, 
I would have picked um, Ermit Hospital in Turkey because it was your whole stay was in the hospital. You didn't have to go to a hotel. They picked you up in the airport. Obviously, it was COVID times. So, like, it was just a fantastic experience, to be honest. And I thought, like... To go alone? Uh, well, now, nobody goes alone, right? In the sense that there's so many WhatsApp groups you get joined to, Facebook people that you make friends with before you go. So everyone was meeting in Dublin Airport. So you're not really, and you're like, oh my God, and I'm Sonia, and I'm so-and-so. And yeah. you're meeting people. So you could be talking to these people for months before, and you're meeting them that day. So your journey is kind of with them. Why so, does everybody go out at the same time? Is it a job lot or something? No, it's just whatever date people put dates up. So, like, when I joined one of the groups, they said, you know, oh, we're going the same, we're yeah. flying the same day yeah. as you. How many so would you like, say annually are going? Oh, well, ju- just my date alone, there, I think there was about, in total, 19. On the same day? On the same day. Now, some of those were flying from the UK to Ireland and then Ireland out. But there was 19... I think of us going at that time. Um, so, and when we went there, there was people there and um, that were nearly finished their journey and coming back to Ireland. Don't even um, start on people who were bouncing flights through Ireland to get around COVID restrictions. Yeah, that freaks yeah. people so, out, but that's what yeah. they were doing all the same. So off yeah. you went to Turkey. Is that Istanbul? Is it Izmir? Where is it? Istanbul, I went um, and we were picked up at the airport. Um, literally... The day we landed, we were literally weighed. We were sent for every x-ray. We Did you were, feel self-conscious like, when you were there? No, because everyone there was in the same boat, you know, that it, it, there was nobody, I suppose, I suppose more, like you were just one of the gang yeah. and because you had been chatting with everyone for so long yeah. and the staff were fantastic. So it was just, everything was made so smooth. So there was no, oh, I have to book into a hotel now and then I have to go get myself to the hospital, have my test. No, all that hotel. was provided. But so going to the hospital, meeting them, you weren't self-conscious in the sense of because of your size or getting on a weighing scale no. or anything like that? No, I, I suppose at that time you have kind of accepted I'm doing this. Yeah. Now I was nervous and I was thinking, oh, if anything goes wrong, I'm out foreign. And that would have probably been my family's kind of thing. Is yeah. Yeah. You're out foreign. Yeah. You know, um, my son's offered to come with me. My husband's offered to come and I was like, why? Sitting, look at me for seven days. And I said, plus on top of that, seemingly the next day I'm going to regress it completely. I will probably spend two, three days crying, going, what have I done? Am I off my game? I said, like, no, I said, I think it's just, you need to stay at home. You know, my daughter is in Dubai and she was like, oh, I can get a flight there. No, nah, you she wanted said, to just, just, list to hell with it. You just wanted to do this, get no. on with it, get it done. And yeah. yeah, you know, and it flies by, like I was home exactly seven days later. And, and you've and gone now from a 24 to a size 16, from 21 stone to yeah. 14 stone. And this yeah. is, this is not a finished journey. Oh, I, without a doubt. Now, my weight has kind of slowed down. But even though it's slowed down, you still can't eat the amount of food. Like, I still do the same food every day. I still have to feed people at home. But everyone is eating the same food. And I just have a side place. So, like, yesterday morning, they were laughing because I, I was going, oh, my God, I managed a whole poached egg this morning and a half a place at home. I mean, I find that but bizarre. You can't, go, you can't go to a chipper and get fish and chips. 
Well, I did because, to be fair, my first experience out was like, oh my God. And it was actually to Tony's Bistro. And I sat down and I said, I'm actually after having surgery, so I can't order. Because you know, when you go to Tony's, it's fine food, there are big plates, yeah. there's yeah. no skimping. And the son was having like goujons and chips. And I said, is there any chance just doing me a poached egg? Like, that's not going to feed you. I go, no, seriously. So he came out poached egg and like he bought toast and like, every jam, every marmalade. And I was laughing. I was like, I'm going to be lucky. And, like, and I managed. But do you not want to egg. eat more? But you're... But, no. No, because you, know you don't have the appetite. Because you realise like I was definitely an emotional eater. Like if I was sad, I would say, oh, I'm going to go and make a cup of tea and have a biscuit or have a slice of cake that I made. Or, you know, so it takes away that whole you can't mm. do it even if you wanted to do it there's mm. like it's impossible yeah it's, you know? it's not as if you could gorge um, and no, burst it no. you just don't no, have the inclination to do that stage, no you get to a stage even like I, I, I keep going back because my great laugh at the one poached egg is you get to a stage that's like one teaspoon because I was kind of saying oh, I have to be able to eat more than that and you'd take literally one more teaspoon and you'd literally be like oh God. See what I would love to know is if this continues and you're consuming less calories than your body needs to function yeah. you will just wither away to emaciation won't you? Well as time goes by you can start eating more breakfast is my big thing in the morning I can't eat a lot because it's something I would have never have done so breakfast to me is a huge thing but dinner I can sit and have like my bit of breast of chicken, I can have my veg um, with me and maybe a small bit of carbs. But I have to make sure I start with my protein. So whilst I have my protein into me and I have a bit of my veg, my calories are upping week on week. So like I am actually eating more every week. So there will there will arrive a time when you will stop losing it because at some stage you need oh, to yeah, you have to stop losing it. Yeah. 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 No, I think everybody is different, but I just think you have to be so mindful now of this is fuel, and that's what it is. I need to eat that because there's days well, I'm like, it is. I really no, don't it want is. to. Yeah. Well, I otherwise can. you won't be able to function, yeah. and not just your body, but your brain as exactly. well will suffer. And, and what's the reaction socially? I suppose because I'm locked down people hadn't seen me and I didn't go public till I was 12 weeks because I actually had this fierce guilt thing of I've cheated yeah, and I was like yeah, oh, people I get, are gonna, and I don't want people I, talking about me Why do you me feel and, that way? Is it because I get texts like um, um, all these gastric procedures are just a lazy way of losing weight you need a calorie oh, I, deficit and you need to get your oh, body yeah. moving all the excuses that we hear are all just sad and that's what it is. I know because I'm actually going to starting hopefully the next couple of weeks with um, Mark Tynan in uh, Blackpool. So they're going to train me on how to work on where I need work done. So I can go back training now because my legs work now because I haven't five stone. Like I hit five stone the other day. So I don't have that weight to try and go to the gym and drag it with me. Well, why would anybody feel as if they were cheating because they got a gastric sleeve? Would they feel that they were cheating if they got a boob job or got their nose fixed or got a tummy tuck or got the sags in their not. It's probably just the society done. that we live in and we're just so worried about being judged. And I was like, okay, I was judged for being fat. Now I've had surgery. Am I going to be judged for having surgery? Well, I, in the I, end, I, I get fair, them. Yeah, Here you go again, Neil. Stop talking to these yeah. people who are getting banned so they don't eat. It's not good advice to give yeah. people, you know. People need to and get out not, and get active. 
Of course, and I couldn't get out. Like, the, the one big thing that really sticks in my mind is after, like, when my legs kind of were some bit coming back to normal. This is before surgery. It's gone back about two years ago. I thought, right, get off your ass. Get out walking. Put the dog on the lead. And within 15 minutes of going down the road, a farmer had to pull in and take me out of the ditch because my leg went front under me. Yeah, I and understand. saw the dog well, on the lead. We were through So that, he yeah. pulled in yeah, yeah. and said, what are you doing? I said, I can't get up. My leg won't work. And he was yeah. like, what? And I goes, my leg won't work. And he was like, why? Get out. And like, literally, and I was going, fine, why so I can get up out of the day. And I was like, this is no life to be living. Whereas now, I'm very conscious of, I have to learn about the calories. I have no choice but to make sure what I eat first. So, it's not only retraining my stomach, it's retraining my brain. But has it fixed, has it helped with the pain? I am off all my meds completely about four weeks ago. Um, and I was on Lyrica, I was on Codepar, and um, I was on other things in between that because obviously my bladder this is doesn't just, work properly. This is an incredible so example of how, this incredible example of how weight affects your body and in so many different like, ways. I, Inflammation. The would have just like, I, did, I haven't had a hospital appointment or need one. I've cancelled all my appointments now. I don't need them. So I'm one less patient because of my weight loss that the hospital has to deal with. You're a lot more confident when you go out now, you know, in the, in the well, sense without, that you're not yeah, self-conscious. Doubt, like, yeah, and you know, I suppose one of the running jokes at home is like, I can't find something to wear. And they were like, oh, well, no, nothing fits me the opposite way. So I'm literally heading down into Newmarket to the charity shop in Quinmera going, Here's a bag of plus size clothes. Here's a bag of size twenties. Here's a bag of size eighteen. So like, Daniel, we've never had so much like plus size clothes in our life. And I'm like, I can't wait to go down with size sixteen. Here's That'll be next. Sixteens and then fourteens yeah, and then twelves. And yeah. sooner so, and also at the same time you're obviously buying more new clothes. Yeah. And I'm happy if I plateaued now and stay a size sixteen, I'm happy because I know I can now walk at this size and not die I'm you know I've signed up for a charity fundraiser and um, for the, the, the autistic dogs to do so many miles in the month I would never have dreamed of that even four months ago I would have thought and what did uh, what did it cost um, it cost me 2700 for my surgery and um, plus um I suppose my flights and that, I didn't have accommodation. So I think in total it cost me about three and a half thousand. And every that penny of that was worth in. it, wasn't it? Absolutely every penny. Three and a half grand. Yeah. yeah. Like I can go with the boys kicking a ball. Like the boys are all going up, one on a minor small, you know. And I'd say there's a lot of people secretly would love to do something like that, you know. They, they may, may well, need I the final push or like, they might be I, apprehensive or, you know. And, that's, and I made the decision last minute.com that I'm doing it. Because of the girls from Cork that were kind of there going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their yeah. stories. And I was like, I was messaging them going, how did you go public? And why? And they were like, well, if we didn't, would you have? And I was like, no. And like, I've messaged the girls going, thank you so much. Because you, you think I'm this is girls now. helping girls then? Women helping women? Of course women. it is, without a doubt. And when you see the girls and they're going, it is a journey. It's not an easy journey. And like, I even meet people now and they're like, how do you do it? And I was like, surgery and they're like oh my god what fill us in tell us oh you know and it's full conversation and it's like it's not easy it is definitely a journey you have weeks of literally like my poor husband one night was sitting having I think biscuits and a cup of tea and I goes are you serious having them in front of me he goes um yeah 
And you get more. Oh no, poacher turned gamekeeper. I hate them. You know, yeah. Whereas now I'm looking like I'm baking and I'm bringing cakes into them. And who wants a biscuit? Who wants? Because I have no interest now. But at the start, it's it's all just headspace that food took over. And now it's gone. It's like no, you know. So yeah, you know. So it's. You know, I'm one of those now off the waiting list of the hospital. I'm off your meds. Pain is gone. Off all my meds. Pain is gone. Much happier in yourself, mentally and physically. And that's it. And the daughter, as I said, lives in Dubai. And I like the last time I went there, I would have been a size 24. The heat, I thought I was going to die. I got to see none of it. I was telling my husband, look, just go out and see Dubai. And the daughter was like, there's air con, it's fine, you'll be able to manage it. I was like, I can't manage half a mile down the road and you want me to walk Dubai in 40 degrees. Whereas now I can't wait to go back That's there. the challenge. Let's see how you get on there then. Come back to me after yeah, that trip, after you know, your first flight overseas. Well done. Yeah, you know, without worrying, am I going to fit in the seat? The belt just fits me and you're trying to get tuck yourself in because I'm like, I don't want to ask for an extension. You know, whereas now I'm like, I haven't oh, been in the seat, so I'm yeah. like, oh, this is the job. Yeah, I know. And even yeah. in my car, the boys, I was like, someone's changed my seat. I kept saying, you keep going out my car seat. I said, it's perfect now, don't. And they were like, yeah. And I was like, they're all laughing. Well, it's so funny. They goes, no, ma'am, you don't have a huge stomach anymore. It wasn't the car seat. It was, you were fat. And I was like, oh, yeah. It was, you know, and it's coming. So for some, oh, yeah. it's the car seat belt. For other, it's it's the the the, the seat belt on the airplane. I came across yeah. the story last week. I'm not sure whether the person actually lost weight themselves or actually got some gastric work done. But yeah. the catalyst was for her was when she sat down on a chair and it collapsed under her. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've had that years ago, like at an office party, and I leaned against one of the like small little drawers, and I could hear it buckling under me, and I was like, "Move fast before someone sees oh it with you." God, and yeah, I was like, yeah, "Oh," yeah. and I wasn't at my heaviest then, but it was obviously a real flimsy filing cabinet. And I thought, yeah, well, oh my God. you know, <laughs> cabinet drawers are not for sitting on anyway, regardless. No, so <laughs> you, know, you don't own that one. We let you off on that one. Listen, Sonia, it's lovely to catch up. My apologies for not getting to you sooner in the week, but not great story. Well. Thanks for sharing. I'm it. A- at least I'm on summer holidays now I can be out walking every day alright well enjoy the great weather have a great weekend not a bother thanks for making take care guys. actually Bye. it's interesting she talks about um, things that you do that annoy your partner and there was a time if her husband was having a cup of tea and a biscuit she'd you know have words with him I got an interesting email from Matthew with regards to the annoying things that apparently he does and wrecks the heads of family members after the break talk to Neil Printerville now 1851 Red FM. So Matthew says, Morning, Neil. Um, he says, I keep my phone on silent. It vibrates when it rings. Thus, I know it's ringing. I have all my notifications, tones, and even my keypad touch noises all turned off. What is driving me demented lately is that my wife and kids' phones are constantly ringing, dinging, pinging, night and day. Notifications for emails, WhatsApp, Messenger, etc. What's even more annoying is that when they start scrolling through their phone, the videos which have audio start playing. Don't get me going on bloggers, some of whom have the most irritating voices, whom I overhear from my kid's phone talking about what they bought on Boohoo, whatever that is. I like to eat my breakfast and my dinner in peace. 
I like to watch TV or a movie without the person next to me texting and messaging. It's bad enough without hearing the phone making that tick, 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 tick sound with every letter they type. I think a lot of minor annoyances have come to the fore due to everyone being cooped up during lockdown. These are some of mine. In fact, my wife turned to me a few months back while watching TV and she said, FFS, for feck's sake, can you breathe any louder? (laughs) Tough being a man, isn't it? Even when the art or the necessity of breathing becomes annoying. (laughs) I'm quite sure there are other people out there with pet annoyances, pet peeves, Things that wreck your head, whether it's a family member or indeed perhaps a partner. Text 0868104106 if you can add to that. Oh, yeah. And one of them is the texting. Turn the damn sound out off, you know, the tick, 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 tick for every letter. <laughs> I guess people are just a little bit more touchy over the past year and a half. So thank you for that, Matthew. It made me laugh. I'm with you in a lot of those, pal. I'm with you. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Horrible traffic going in and out of McCroom this morning. We got all of the roadworks going on there. There's a car broken down, and there's uh, temporary traffic lights on a lot of that road. And oh well. So people, give yourselves an extra half hour if you're going anywhere, particularly today ahead of the weekend. McCroom is tough at the moment. Now I mentioned by email earlier on uh, a family, particularly a mother who's struggling because she, um, you know, her husband is out of work because of back surgery. She isn't able to work because she's looking after him full time worried about bills, worried about back to school. So she was trying to get an awful lot of it done, got all of the books, as she thought, sorted, uh, asked the bookshop if she could put them aside and come back and pay when the back to school allowance came in. And the bookshop said no. Back in the day, that would have been very normal to set things aside, but the world has changed. Maybe not all of the world has changed. And I've spoken in the past to Laura from Hyde Street Books, and they're based in Wilton and also on the, uh, I think it's the South Douglas Road. Anyway, she joins me on my phone. Laura, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. How are you? Um, I'm very well. Uh, so, yeah, I know your shop in Wilton. Which, where, where in Douglas are you? Okay, so next to the Kevin O'Leary Centre. Ah, you moved in ago. there. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, got a great Much spot bigger there. and loads of parking. So Much we're delighted bigger. with it. Yeah. So my, my primary and secondary school days are way behind me, but God knows I had a path beaten to your shops for many, yes, many I years. after you many a time. And can I just say thank you? Because a lot of the time, like many parents, it mustn't have been difficult. There were trying times with books and waiting for stuff to come in. So on behalf of everybody that you've helped, well done. Thank you. You, you heard that email, did you? I did. I I did. I'm surprised um, that a shop wouldn't oblige, um, you know, because back to school is an expensive time for, for everyone and not to mind, you know, if you've got personal problems as well, you know, as someone t- taking care of a loved one. Um, so we would always offer a service that you can drop in the list either by email or call in and we will tip away at that list all summer long, however long you need us to. Um, whether it be looking for second hand um, or just, tr- you know, to gather up all the bits of uh, books and stationery that you need. Mm-hmm. And then you come in to us when you're ready, whether that be you're waiting for children's allowance or you're waiting for a back to school allowance. And we can almost tell the day that the, the back to school allowance gets paid to people. And, you know, we would always know when it's children's allowance because we'll, we'll be busy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'd, we'd be happy to oblige that lady. And, and also, even you know, if she can't get out, we can offer a delivery service to her as well. Well, you know. I'm glad to hear that it's still going on and it's still an yeah. acceptable practice. But that was her email. She said no. They, 
looked at her as if she had two heads. Um, I, I wonder, actually, if sometimes a staff member might make a decision on something like, like that, unbeknownst to the owner of the business. Do you know what I mean? It may be a very small shop as well that had, doesn't have the space to put the, the items away. So we, we would have experienced that in the past. So um, we actually extended our Wilton shop this year um, to allow um, to have extra shelves to put bags of books away for people. Um, you know, so space can be an issue for a shop as well. You know, and, you know, if you, if you had to put absolutely everything away, you'd be you wouldn't be long filling the shelves. Doesn't, um, so it could be something as simple as that. Yeah, and I don't know whether this is a city or a suburban shop. It yeah. could be anywhere in the big county anywhere. of Cork, to be honest with you. It yeah. could be a town or a satellite town or, or something yeah. like that. But anyway, you will do it and you do it. We do all yeah. the time. Yeah. 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 So you, you've been seeing all of the curriculum for years and years and years. Oh, yeah. And one of the pet peeves of people is that there are just, they have to get so many books every year. Is that, is that system ideal, do you think? I don't think so. I mean, I think it has improved, especially in primary school, because in, in my almost 20 years with High Street Books now, um, the introduction of book rentals has been um, a great relief to parents and schools. So I think the last maybe six, seven years, I couldn't think of a primary school that doesn't have a rental scheme now at this stage. Mm. So I think that's been a great um, improvement. Secondary school as well. Um, this year has been a much better year for secondhand, but it drives us mad as well, Neil. To when when they come out with these new editions, it really does. It's not it's not just parents. It, it annoys. It's and us. is there much difference in the new editions? Do you know? There can be at times. You know, there can be new new curriculum, and um, yeah, no. Generally, they they usually okay, are um, okay. valid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there's enough expense going on without having to buy something because maybe one chapter or half a chapter or a couple of pages changes. I mean, you wouldn't like to see the day where everything. Moves to tablets. I mean, that's something you would rue, isn't it? No, and like I suppose we've seen that. You know what? You can have a nice blend of uh, like blended learning where you can have both. Um, but there's been a lot of studies in the last couple of years that have come out to say, you know, it's not necessarily beneficial to be completely tablet based. So we're seeing a lot of schools, like even um, Douglas Community School, where they have both. They have iPad classes and textbook classes. So I suppose parents have the choice. Yeah which I think is a nice approach to it. Parents worry about um, the weight the a lot still, of the time, you know? The yeah, but the, of the even books. the iPad um, classes still have the textbook, so you, you can access the book from your tablet or, you know, keep your book, your textbook at home. So I think, you know, that, um, that's a good way to yeah, do it. Yeah, that's why you call it blended, yeah. yeah blended, yeah. yeah. You've seen yeah. some kids going around like as if they've got sacks of coal on their back with the weight I was one carrying. of those after the chiropractor as well after. Really? I, I suppose, yeah, I mean, I was a, a smaller frame, but um, I would have had a second set of books secondhand um, for home. So I suppose yeah. I, I adapted then um, in school. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, I can and go. a lot of the time as well, when you're starting out in secondary school, you may not be organised enough and you might be bringing absolutely everything home with you. But then as you get, uh, move on in secondary school, I think maybe you become a little bit uh, smarter as to what you need to have at home and what you don't. Yeah, I know. So it, it might yeah. often be the first years you'd see with the big, massive bags on their back, you know, all out of proportion. And damaging their backs at such a young age. But maybe that's a story for another day. I mean, years and years ago, way before your time, I think there was only two shops in Cork that sold only secondhand. One of them, I think, was on George's Key, and the other one that we always used when I was a kid was a place called the Book Mart on uh, Washington, Washington Street. Street. Yeah, do, do, you're you're not old enough to remember that. But I, have I you am heard? almost. I'm almost old. And enough she, to and the, that. I think it was just usually just one woman, a very yeah. very attractive woman, long hair, kind of long silvery grey hair, 
But God Almighty, could she put her hands on books? I mean, she was an incredible. She was a machine. Yeah. We have a couple of those machines working for us now yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The queues that go halfway down Washington Street, people in yeah. there for the books. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. But you know what? It's a, like people have a lot of memories, like good memories associated with kind of back to school and getting the books as well. And like, I, I think now, obviously, I know that the financial pressures are there uh, for everyone, but you'd see a lot of joy in, in children's as well. You know, the excitement of back to school and the excitement of, of getting the new books. You know, we see that more so than people being upset which I think is lovely um, you know to see children um, enjoying getting their books One final question for you the Legal Credit Unions come out and said it costs 1200 euro to send a child to primary school and 1500 to send a child to secondary school have you any thoughts on that? I, I read the article. I did. Um, I, I would the, in primary school. The most expensive costs were actually extracurricular activities. I thought the school books didn't seem too bad in, in primary school. I think that's in um, because of the the rental schemes that have been introduced. So we've definitely seen a reduction in the the costs for parents, particularly of primary school, in the last couple. So of years. is it that parents just feel that they must involve their children in all of the extracurricular I activities? Think there is. I, I mean, I, I have two children now and I just feel this immense pressure. I mean, I have her on waiting lists for piano and uh, swimming lessons and um, gymnastics. I just feel this kind of, oh, she's missing. Why, so why have you got her doing so much? I don't yet. I'm on waiting lists. Um, why do you want her to do I, so much? I just feel like you have to. I mean, I don't know, that's just maybe me. But I feel like there's this pressure. I mean, I'd like her to have an instrument. Obviously, I, you must be able to swim. I think that's a life skill. Um, and gymnastics I suppose I feel maybe they've lost out on a lot you know social interactions in the last year yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but so all yeah, of I that mean, costs me, yeah, yeah it does it costs I mean I think I would definitely spend more on, on things like that than I ever would on, on books and, and their education um, but yeah I mean that, so I thought no I do I read that study every year I thought this one was interesting yeah and, but it's yeah, extracurricular is driving the 1200 that was the number one yeah. that was number one for yeah. primary school children secondary now uh, the books were up there um, but I suppose there is a resale value in the secondary books when you're finished with them yeah um, and also a lot of them do last for the three years so okay. you break it and down and of course you take bad. all those back as well we do. Yeah, nice whatever one. is still in use we nice will one. so at least nice you know at least you're getting you know it's better for the environment they're getting yeah. recycled and yeah. you're, you're getting money back towards your well listen I, I bring it up even though it is the month of July for me it's a little bit early but clearly people are planning you know and that's why she oh, got in are. touch you know you want to get yeah. it done early and if that lady if you do want to pass on her details to me, I'd be more than happy to get the Wilson staff to take care of her and if she's not you know if she's not living local to us that's no problem we can get it delivered well I know her. she's listening and I leave the ball in her thanks. court and we'll see what happens so thanks so much Laura Great good to chat to again Cheers. Take care. Bye. Bye. It's Laura from High Street Books, Wilton and the South Douglas Road. Uh, lines open at one 104 106 Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. As the day goes by that I don't get questions or queries with regards to people, particularly with regards to travel, I just heard that ad there where they, where they talk about in a bit of the ad, she says, make yourself aware of the quarantine that you will have to go through upon your return. Of course, that's vague and actually technically inaccurate because there's a difference between quarantine if you're vaccinated and quarantine if you're not vaccinated, for instance. Um, I mean, you know why they would say that? I mean, you're assuming that if you have uh, your 
travel cert and you've been fully vaccinated and you go to a country within Europe, there is no quarantine when you come back. Uh, Christine says, is it true that if a person wants to travel to the US, they will not be allowed in if they've got the AstraZeneca vaccine as it's not recognized as an acceptable vaccine in the US? I heard it on the radio with you in the last few days. Yes, you did. That was um, Owen Corey from Travel Extra. He said, and he said that they don't give AstraZeneca in America because they don't recognize it. They give different ones, primarily Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson and things like that. Um, so what you heard was, was accurate. Although Biden, President Biden did say yesterday that they're reviewing a travel to America and they will have uh, an update on that in the coming day, in the next several days, he said. Uh, right now, you can't fly to America unless you're a politician or a diplomat or you have a special a special visa. Uh, anybody else can't go. But when they open up then, uh, one would imagine that they would open up to the European Union travel cert, you know, where vaccinated people or people who've had COVID, etc., etc., would be allowed in, regardless of the vaccine that they've had. I don't think the Americans would put in a stipulation saying, yes, we're taking Europeans, we're taking those with the, uh, with the European travel cert, uh, with the QR code, but not people who are vaccinated by uh, AstraZeneca. I don't think that would make any sense. I mean, that's my understanding of it. Obviously, he'll clarify. He'll clarify that in the in the coming days. Anyway, text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. I do another. I had hoped to do a blast of shoutouts for uh, Free Food Friday just before eleven, but I'll park it now. I'm Rory and I'm Valerie, and you can join us for the very best in local, national, and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from six on Cork's Red FM. You're listening to the Emerald Award-winning Music Station of the Year, Cork's Red FM. Some of the other questions, uh, I may come back to this on Monday again, because Monday is D-Day when it comes to the 19th and being able to travel overseas with your digital cert. If you're lucky enough to have one, not all of us have got them yet. Here's one question. What about the UK? Do we still need to isolate for five days when you arrive back from the UK, even if we're fully vaccinated? Well, let's say you're fully vaccinated and you have the digital cert. Um, on, on checking that earlier this morning, UK still doesn't recognize the EU digital cert. I don't know when that's going to change unless something happened this morning or, or overnight. Uh, but up until when I checked, they still didn't recognize it. They're trying to sort it out or whatever, but they are outside the EU and they don't recognize the cert for travel into the UK. Another one, Hen, this, this is a bigger problem. Um, I'm traveling to Malaga with my husband from Cork this Sunday, the 18th of July. My husband has the digital cert and at the moment I'm waiting for mine to come in the post. I have the cardboard one. Do we need antigen tests to fly into Spain? It's very confusing. Some say, some sides say yes, some say no. I don't want to be wasting a hundred euro for two tests if it's not needed, but I don't want to be denied flying if we don't have them. I don't, I don't think that your husband will have any problem with the digital cert on Sunday, the 18th, because it's been accepted. Uh, across other European countries and since the start of the month. So they're probably doing their thing. So I would say he's okay. I honestly don't know what the story is with you and the cardboard one that you get with the with the two little serial numbers of the vaccine on it. Um, maybe somebody else might be able to clarify. You're going a day early, you see, the 18th, when on the 19th it would be very different. Ideally, if you had your vaccine travel start to go, you'd have no problem in the whole wide earthly world. But maybe somebody would like to add to that. But, you know, it, it, it just goes to show the society we're living in now, say, for instance, by comparison to uh, maybe two years ago, we wouldn't be having these conversations about, um, you know, passes and certificates and access to things and the, the division in society with those who have been vaccinated or those who are unvaccinated. John Burns says we'll be 
having bells around our necks set and people would be shouting unclean, unclean as the vaccinated walk down the street. Little bit extreme, John, but I know where you're going with this. I, I, I wouldn't think so because we had a vote on a medical apartheid card and that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. No, I can remember when the, the girls in Dunn stores went out on strike and closed it down because of apartheid in South Africa because the people weren't being treated right and we didn't buy their fruit. They refused to take, I remember at that's the time right. it started with oranges, wasn't it? Outspan yeah. oranges, yeah. Yeah. That's correct, yeah, and and we now have something that's for the people's eyes because some people can't take it and some people refuse to take it, so we're being segregated. And we have t- we have TDs who are drawing money under the the the, the, the head of being a TD for to make uh, a decision that affects us all, and they're abstaining. If you abstain from a vote, you're voting yes. Some didn't turn up, you know. Some went awol. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that cordless in the face of the enemy. They have no business uh, in, in the doll. And I can tell you now, I hope the people will take on board that they went missing in action. So when their ballot comes up, that they'll ignore it as well. It was quite tight, wasn't it, the vote? Yes, it was. 74 so to 68. Had, yeah, so if, if you had 17 or 18 people that it went there a while. What were they voting uh, on exactly? Yeah, but there's a good. They were voting on 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 the bill. Yeah. Well, they trying trying to make it legal to overturn our constitutional rights. Now, listen, I'm sure that uh, they were voting. The, they were voting only on um, the difference between a vaccinated and an unvaccinated person. Yeah, but who gets them to write to the board on a person who, who's vaccinated and who isn't vaccinated? Uh, and there's, the, a, good chance, public, and there's a good chance that. And there's a good chance that the 17 that are missing are gone on holidays. Yeah. yeah, I don't have the vote up here, but I think that Sinn Féin were the only ones that voted no, wasn't it? Yeah, well, they're, they're trying to... They're trying to some independent... The, the, they're trying to regain the popular vote of the people. Uh, oh, hang on a second. Oh, no, hang on a second. All, all of Sinn Féin, Labour Party, Social Democrats, Solidarity, regional groups, of course the Rural Independent Group, which would be... You know, Matty McGrath, the two Healy Ray brothers, um, yeah. uh, Michael Collins, uh, the all of the independents as well. Yeah, yeah. That's why it was. That was why it was so tight. Seventy four, sixty eight. Yeah. yeah. So we have people who are drawing money under false pretenses, who can't be bothered, or who will renege on a vote that's vital for the well being of people in the country. How many? How many weren't there? I, I, if you had sixty four, well, sixty. To the best, of, to the best of my knowledge, there was seventeen or eighteen of them who didn't vote. They were naked or they weren't there. We don't know what's going on above there because there's a closed shop. And uh, mainstream media are reporting nothing. You, you listen, you might as well be looking for hen's teeth now, trying to get the truth from the media. Yeah. Outside of yourself and Niall Boylan and four, uh, we're about, they're about the only two programs that we can listen to that does any type of uh, policy. Yeah, but I'd love for people to come up with a better, a better alternative solution to this, to opening up society. I mean, it's just under a thousand positives. And I, I understand that the thousand positives today that we're hearing about are a different type of thousand positives to 12 months ago. I understand that they're yeah, younger age groups. I understand yeah. they'll bounce back faster. Yeah, but hold on a while now. We were taught to the staff when all this staff was. That pregnant women, nursing women and women who wanted to be pregnant shouldn't get it. No, they want to inject uh, pregnant women. They want to get the whole thing under this umbrella. Come hell or high water. They're talking now about 12-year-olds. Look, if, if there's a 12-year-old that isn't healthy, that isn't playing football and whatever, like, they, they may have a medical problem 
that shouldn't be addressed with one of these injections anyway. Oh, yeah, but you won't have to then. That, you won't have to then. Yes, yeah, but hold on a while now. <clears throat> Most of us got polio uh, injection when we, when we were kids, and uh, did we ever have to go back and get a booster, like they're talking about a booster now every six months? Um, I'm not a medical so, person, but I think there no, would be various strains of this, like there are various yeah. strains of flu every year, you know? Yeah, well, we we didn't have to get a a, a six monthly booster for uh, for polio. We got what, it once. What about looking? At, what about looking at through these eyes, right through this prism? That they're doing what they're doing, so that all other business that needs to be conducted in hospitals can be done. All sorts of surgeries, appointments, consultations, um, without and will be able to be done, but won't yeah, but be done if the ICU and the wards are full of people who are. And, and tell me, how long have the wards been full? Right? I know, but that's the history lesson. We know all of that. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. yeah, but hold on. As far as I know, the wards haven't been full for the last 19 months. They want to keep it that way, I suppose, by getting people vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But why did why didn't they make one hospital in isolation hospital so on for, for this uh, COVID thing? Good, that's and, a good uh, point. Yeah, that's a good yeah? point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, tell, tell, so tell me now, at what stage now of the, the people that are vaccinated, are they going to feel safe now because they've been taught now the vaccination don't work anymore? Who's told them that? This is it's coming out to the whole time that even if you have the vaccination, you can still get it. Yes, and the 5% of the of the 1,000 actually had uh, have been vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, it, what the vaccine does, what, what, you probably know this, is it doesn't stop you from getting COVID, but it yeah. stops how bad you get it. Yeah, but they've already told them now that it, it lasts for 180 days and you must get a booster again. So, so yeah. that means it's not working. Mm, well, n- no, it means so, that it no, means no, that it means that the vaccine has passed through your system and you need more of it. Yeah, but, but there, there you go. And after that, after that 180 days, then know oh, you're back to square one. Then again, you'll get need another one after another. Yeah, one. it looks like we're living with this for the foreseeable future and possibly yeah. lots more like them coming down the track. Yeah, well, after living with every type of flu that was thrown at us, well, after living with SARS, well, after living with this, that, and the other thing, you and me have been talking about this for quite a while on the I haven't changed. Oh, I, yeah? Listen, we, we're now in a situation that is like giving the, when, they, when, they, when they give the, 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 the blankets full of smallpox to the Indians out in Canada, they kill them off because they couldn't find any other way to get it. That's a new one on me now. I'll take your word for that. Oh, 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 well, it's, it's in history. Yeah. No, I, 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 I value your contribution. You, you don't stray off point, so I'm saying I'm taking your word for that. Yeah, well, I tell you now, we've been talking about this now since the day it started. I haven't changed my outlook on it. Have you got vaccinated? And, and <laughs> that's a hope, Neil. I know, I know. That's never... That, so how, that, do you, how, do you that, feel, that, how do you feel with no vaccine travel cert or no vaccine pass to get into the boozer, say? That won't bother me. All right. Okay. That won't bother me. That won't bother me in the least. But now I have the problem I have now is that if I'm going someplace like to a doctor or a dentist, I have to wear a mask going in because I don't want to be contaminated from him by what he's after getting pumped into him. Ah, you mean you mean that the vaccine's contagious? Well, I know nothing about it. All right. But, okay. but, but, okay. but we've been told we've been told by five different uh, operators. <clears throat> that uh, you you can get it uh, from somebody that, that that's unvaccinated. So if you get it from somebody that's unvaccinated, why can't you get it from somebody that's had it pumped into them? 
Okay, so travel isn't a worry for you then? You're not going on a not sun holiday? No. Not in the least. And if I do want to go someplace, uh, I'll, I'll travel to another jurisdiction. Um, how do you do that? Well, I don't know, Neil. Yeah. More ways of killing a cat than ripping the head off by. All right, okay. All right, let me get back to some texts and calls, but look after yourself, John. Do stay in touch as always. Cheers. Uh, Ireland still have more people per capita fully vaccinated than, say, the Netherlands. It doesn't make a difference if the Netherlands have more people vaccinated. They have a bigger population. And that's the difference between, say, our percentage and the rest of Europe. Because of our population, we are ahead of many. Uh, I understand what you're saying. I agree with the lady on the... uh, Actually, I'll come back to that one in a minute. This is another interesting one that's kind of uh, COVID-related. The uh, flu statistics disappeared, remember. All deaths were called COVID. Where did the flu statistics go? You know this, Neil. Why are you ignoring the evidence? Why are you ignoring the evidence and not allowing people to give their side of the story? Is it because they're not parroting the government propaganda? I've sent you a list of extremely credible people, experts, virologists, doctors. Um, Why, why has not one mainstream media outlet not reported on the major unprecedented protests against these dangerous vaccines? Why are they you ignoring the real news? I, I've never ignored a protest. I've never ignored anybody that wants to come on. I had no problem over the past 18 months, or 16 months or so, talking to a lot of the experts, but I'm not going to turn the program into what RTE has turned out of, which is just a complete and utter talking shop of virologists and doctors and experts and nephit and politicians. I'm more interested in talking to people or mixing it up as best I can. If you say I've done a bad job, well, you know, that's your that's your own opinion. How many vaccinated people have died in UK hospitals with the Delta variant? Public Health England data shows that 117 Delta variant deaths, 50 people had received both doses of the vaccine. And that's from the 1st of July. Um, If fully vaccinated people can't go back to living normally, then what's the point of the vaccination project? Something doesn't make sense, says Patty. And one more. Um... Uh, I'm wondering, do you have any information on how long after the second vax is the wait for the digital cert? We're due our second on the 18th of August. I'm wondering how long it'll be before we get the cert. There's no information on the HSC website. I did had a num. I had a number for that actually as to how long after the second vax you get the digital cert. Uh, I think it was there was a number on it between your second dose and when you actually get the cert. Did you have that number? Was it I had that number? Was it We were talking about it this morning. Yeah, so it's 14 days. So you might get your letter or your email, but the actual QR code won't be activated for 14 days after your second vax. So there's lots of confusion now. People might have their emails and things, are planning kind of mass exodus in the next week or two, but might not be uh, two weeks after their vax. There's others. I have a friend actually who's flying out on Tuesday and she's wondering, it will be past the 19th. She has her QR code. Code. But um, and she has uh, she doesn't have her letter yet. She's waiting on her letter. So what? sorry, she doesn't have her QR code. Sorry, there's a few different stories I have. There's various different things going on. Some people have their codes. Some are waiting on them. Others aren't. Two weeks. You mean that some people who got their second vaccine, say in the last few days, have yeah. already got the cert. They have the wow, cert, but the QR, um, the QR won't, won't work for 14 QR days. Won't work. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But then I have uh, people who went through Spain on Tuesday and they went through Dublin airport, sorry, uh, Dublin to Spain, and they weren't asked for one thing. Um, nothing, any uh, tests or anything, PCR tests. Uh, Weird, isn't it? Will that change Monday, though, when the 19th comes along? Maybe uh, Maybe so, Dublin, but I, well, I Dublin do and think Cork it's kind will of be. random checking anyway. I'm not sure is everyone being tested. And then others are wondering, will 
the facilities be available for them to check our QRs from Monday on? No, so. they won't. No, it'll be visual for yeah, now yeah. until the QR app is fixed that's and set up. Okay, yeah, just, that's just, just on that, thanks for that. Just on, um, you may not know this, guys, but if you, for instance, have downloaded the COVID app, right? Um, and I found this in the past with regards to apps. <clears throat> the, the COVID app, if you don't update it, then you won't get this register, your EU digital COVID certificate. You can put the QR code on the COVID tracker app, but you need to update the app. If you don't, it won't appear. As soon as you update your COVID tracker app, the uh, app itself um, incorporates the uh, place on the app where your QR code is served is saved. So you don't have to serve it as a save it as a photograph. You just it's in your COVID tracker app. And it's got a separate section for it. You literally just scan it. So if you haven't updated your COVID app, please do so. And that'll work for you. I'm so happy that we are talking more about nursing homes these days, Neil. I worked in a home in Waterford back in the 90s. The same carry-on was still going on back then. We would be told when we had an inspection so that all the residents would be dressed in the best clothes, all dolled up, everybody out of bed. People that were strapped into chairs were untied. And everyone's bedside tables and belongings on top were all in order. I've seen old people being screamed at into their faces, especially the ones with dementia or Alzheimer's, because they can't complain. Really fragile parents of patients have been pulled and dragged in the bed to get the incontinence pads, pads on and the incontinence pads off, dragged and pulled. Bells not answered, just put on mute nurses taking pleasure when a patient hated getting into a bath they loved it, some of them, patients being left sitting on commodes for so long they would ring on their poor bottoms, they would have a ring on their poor bottoms, patients not woken for their dinner, patients not woken for their tea when a patient refused dinner it was stuffed into their mouth until they gagged my heart was broken working there not all nurses and carers were that twisted but a fair few were I can tell you I did complain to the management. I was told, if you're not happy, you know where the door is. I was only 16 back in the 90s this happened. I could never leave after my shift until I knew that all the residents were comfy and had their programs on, had a cup of tea, had the remote in their hand, had been toileted and were okay. I did the job for three years. I love old people. My heart just melts for them. I would love to get into a home care again. I would never go into a nursing home, though. I've also seen this when I came to Cork to work. I worked in three homes here. They were all the same. When a family's back is turned, everything changes. An inspection should not be unannounced. There should be someone on site, like a social worker, in every home. I stopped working in nursing home because of this carry-on, but my goal now is to do palliative care. Uh, Please watch your loved ones, people, in these places. Don't ever doubt what they're telling you, because they are telling you the truth or at least trying to. Thanks for that, Edel. And that came in by text, incidentally, so it took a lot of time and thought to sit down and uh, to send that text. But thank you for it, Edel. She texted 0868-104-106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. And some free food Friday shout-outs, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. Good morning to everybody at Amari, Ireland on the Tremor Road. Twilight News at the Paul Street Shopping Centre. The Balafihan Health Centre. Morning to you all at Hobart, AV Pound in Mallow. They're all listening in the taxis and the Cork Taxi Co-op. Morning to everybody. The Kids Ward in the Mercy we could do with it. They're working very hard, says Sarah. Everybody at Toker 
Tidy Towns, Sunbeam Bingo. Good morning to everybody at Sub Zero Cryotherapy, Dermody Dental Practice, Cork Hygiene Limited, and my mortgages in the South Mall. And a few in the home then. I'd love some pizza for myself and the hubby. We'll be 19 years married on Monday the 19th, and our four kids love pizza. Pizza for my partner Barry, just because he's fabulous and puts the bins out. <laughs> Pizza, please, for Charlie and Jeremy and their friends. A fantastic excuse for a party in the garden, says Natasha in Clonic Kilty. My niece Sinead's getting married in the land down under to Michael, a Cork lad. Um, we'll all be gathering in our mam's house in the early hours of the morning in Toker, and we'd love pizza. Wedding gets underway at 4 a.m. via Zoom. Well, my God, the world is changing, isn't it? I'm going to the wedding. You going to the wedding? Yeah. Well, I'm going to it on Zoom. Anyway, we'll do another bunch of shout-outs this side of uh, midday. So text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. We'll have three winners, four large pizzas each with sides, courtesy of ourselves, and Oak Fire Pizza. And we'll get you sorted for you and the family, the kids. Talking about kids, actually. You know, we're mentioning from time to time about... Uh, trying to get summer jobs or trying even to just get a job, particularly where you see places advertising with signs up in windows. I've just got loads and loads of emails and calls over the past few weeks and texts as well. People saying, my son or my daughter wanted to get a job. They did the CV thing and handed them all in. Never heard a single word. Sent out 20, delivered 20. No one came back. It's a disgrace. I was just wondering why companies don't get back um, particularly if they are looking for staff. Like Benny McCabe would never look at a resume or a CV. He's not interested in them. He wants to meet the person, look him in the eye, maybe take a look at the state of their shoes. I'm not sure. But it prompted a call from Mary Spillane, who is a career coach and a HR manager. He's got a company called Rise to Success. And I just want to drill into this a little bit with her because she's the professional in this regard. So, Mary, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Could it actually be the CV? Yes, like nine times out of ten, what I'm seeing is it's the CV. Um, unfortunately, they're not tailored to the job that they're applying. It's their mass applying, and it's fairly obvious to us as a recruiter or me when I'm going through a CV, someone's CV, that it is just a basic standard CV that they've done in 2018, and a lot of the time they haven't updated the CV either, so you get a lot of that. Um, in the CV. So let's say last week I was going through and there was a girl and she had her CV and she hadn't updated it since 2016. You know? What what, really, what needs to be updated though? Job history, educational yeah. qualifications or what? A job, job history. Like if she hasn't worked since 2016, that's fine, but put it down what she was doing since 2016. Surely she was doing something, be it a course, caring for a parent, minding a child, anything like that at all. Just put it down. Um, gaps are a big no-no because we don't know what they've been up to, you know. Um, but a lot of the time they've been up to nothing at all because they are 17-year-olds or 18 and they have no experience. And it's the experience, the lack of experience yeah. is knocking them back, isn't it? With the 17 or 18-year-old, then that's a different story then. So their CV would be very, very basic. The, another thing as well to take into consideration with the under-18s is they get different break entitlements as well. So a lot of the time, unfortunately, employers do shun them aside because they're afraid, basically, that they don't give them the break entitlement that they are entitled to. And then they get into serious trouble then on the other side. All oh, right, they're break different bank. breaks, longer breaks, is it? Yeah, and then a lot of the time I do see, especially with the younger CVs, a lot of spelling mistakes as if they're texting. Like, um, let's say, if they're doing the cover letter, 
C-U-D-E-N. It would be C-U-D-E-N. You oh, know, for God's C-U-D-E-N. sake. Yeah. For I a job application. Usually. Um, like massive print then. It might be one page, which is fine because they don't have the experience. But it's massive print and then there's nothing on it. Like it's very hard to read then as well. It's like as if they've typed it from a text message they sent to their friend, you know. So these are things as well that they need to look at as well. Um, and then a nice cover letter as well doesn't go astray. You know, like if they're applying to, let's say, their local super value or done, like give it in the, the, the cover letter why they're applying for the job and why they feel they're a good fit for the role. So then at least they stand out from the crowd then, you know, and rather than just saying, I'm applying for the job, thanks. Yeah, uh, a, a little cover letter would make it an awful lot more personal. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I'm just uh, this, <laughs> just going back to the point there that they that they would apply for a job in, um, say, for instance, TikTok lingo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, yeah. Instead of looking forward to seeing you, thank you. They might put down buzzing. See you later. <laughs> Yeah, that's it as well. And as well, like, you'd see their, um, their email addresses haven't been updated. So let's say I've had loads, let's say, like, Foxy Lady 666 and all this kind of thing. You know, like, be, be mindful as well that you have to be professional about the whole thing as well, you know. that yeah. Like, when they're applying that, like, you're applying to a professional business, you know. Um, so, like, you could have teen say, text uh, talk, like, Emer just wrote this. <laughs> I would, W-U-D, like to apply today, the number two, D-A-Y, the letter four, yeah. You are job. I would like yeah. to apply today for your job in te- in teen text talk. You ain't going to get the job with that. No, absolutely not. No, this is it. And this is your first impression as well. And then I laugh then when I see that. I have great communication skills and computer skills and my attention to detail is exceptional. But then you'd see then that, um, that the font is all different on the CV or else that there's spelling mistakes everywhere or the grammar, that they haven't used the grammar check, you know, um, something like this. And then they're saying then that their, um, their attention to detail. Attention to detail in every yeah. walk of life. Now, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, PLZ for please, <laughs> T-A-N-K for tank. What's happened in our house now is my daughter has started to use the word what, W-O-T. Yeah. And yeah. it is infectious because my wife now yeah. has started to use WOT. Much yeah. to my own anno- annoyance. What? What? How do you even pronounce what? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it all. And I- oh, no. Have I lost you? I might have lost her. Hang on. Hang on. I'll get it back in a couple of seconds. There's other ones then. I mean, it's incredible. There's, there's actually a, a whole subculture. Obviously, there is because, and it's important that language. And language is always changing, century after century after century, and the spoken word has changed, the written word. Like, nobody would say, talk to you later anymore, it's TTLY or TTYL. Uh, but then years ago, we had TTFN, wasn't there? Somebody on the BBC would say, ta for now. BFN, BFN is bye for now. Um, A-N-D, actually, is not the word and anymore. A-N-D means any day now. And there's reams and reams of them. So any other tips or guys, I mean, sorry, I got you back again, Mary, great. Is is, uh, is appearance important? Oh, absolutely. Like in the interview, and I do go through all of this in my career coaching, like it goes from everything from CV prep to interview prep and also what to wear, what to say and we sit down really and we really think about it and we put in career clarity then as well and what to wear. Look, like, always go for the job above what you're going for, you know? Like, I've had people come in in jeans and runners. Like, maybe the job they're going for is a jeans and runners job, but there's nothing wrong with just putting on a pair of trousers, um, a pair, a pair of shoes, and then a shirt. You know, there's nothing at all wrong with that for a job. To go so, for. it's, a, it's a shame, then, that young people have to conform, isn't it? But that's, there's, no, there's no way around that? 
not at the moment, not the way things are going, you know, and that's always been the way, um, and that is, and it's probably going to be this way for a long, long time, you know, that they will just, its appearance has to be, like, especially if you're going for a customer-faced um, job role, you know, the appearance it has to be, there, well, how would you react if you were, because I heard this story um, some time back, I told this on the air in the past, who somebody who turned up, two different examples for you, somebody who turned up at a job interview uh, with a uh, takeout coffee. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, is that a no-no? Look, 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 I wouldn't shun them, you know, I'm there to basically, to, their CV has obviously impressed me, so I want to hear more from them, and they could do a stellar interview, and it's about the interview and okay. how they come across themselves. And, and would the same be said themselves. for somebody who would answer their phone or respond to a text during an interview? That happened. No, that's a no-no now, okay. you know. Like, what about yeah, somebody who brought a friend along? No, that'd be very unusual. Um, you'd wonder why they're bringing the friends. All these things, all these support. things have happened. All of yeah, these things like, have happened. You'd wonder for support or whatever moral support, but leave them outside. Like you're in the interview on your own. You know, you're not in. You're not in. Um, in, in any fear of anything happening, you're just going to be asked questions about you and about your CV and about your experience. So you should, should be able to, and that's where the interview prep comes in. You know, should somebody put their photograph on a CV? Not needed, not in Ireland. It's very much so Eastern European, no way. And like again, I see a lot of people with curriculum vitae. We would have been taught back in the school days to put that at the top. That's not needed anymore because we know it's a CV. Just name, address and your details there. And if you have a LinkedIn... So a photograph doesn't help then, does it, no? The, the photograph, no, it doesn't. No, not for, not for Irish... Um, job recruiters. You know, it's very uh, why? Because looks should not be a prerequisite anyway, yeah? No, it shouldn't. You know, yeah. it's down to the CV and that's it. It's about what then, have you the relevant experience and basically are you willing to do the job and are you able to do the job? They're the two things that I look for and any recruiter will. Okay, do, marital status, children, age, should all of that be there? No, no need because legally we can't ask that anyway in the interview. So there's no need. We don't need to know about it. All we need to know is are you willing and able to do the job? And if it's asking you to be fully flexed, then you need to be fully flexed. If it's a Monday to Friday, you need to be okay with Monday to Friday. So that all goes down to the job description then. So you're reading the job description, making sure that, yeah, I can tick most of those boxes. Um, let's apply. Um, and then basically turn off your skills then in the interview. And how much do, uh, I suppose you could divide it into two sections, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe more than that, but the two of the spring to my one would be how important is say for instance educational qualifications how much of that is taken into consideration by interviewers and how much of it is down to somebody's performance or appearance or how they come across the person you know the vibe it's the person definitely like i've seen people with like every skill that was needed for the job but the person the interview was unprepared they you knew they didn't want to be there like so again it's got to do with a vibe as well so it's 50 50 like education obviously there's some roles that you need the education for let's say um, a hr role you need to have some sort of hr course behind you no i know but i'm talking about somebody they might have a cracking personality they just may just be magnetic but they may not have the, the the curriculum to back it up Look, it's always very hard this day and age to find good people, especially genuine good people who are interested in a job role. So personally, if it was me, I'd take them on because I know then that person is a right fit for the role. And if it's something that I can train or the company can get trained pretty easily, no problem at all, I'll take them on, you know. Okay. But it is about being enthusiastic in an interview as well. Um, you, you want to be there and you're showing off your skill set, basically. And that's all down to interview prep then as well, that like you're able to show off your personal brand, basically. Okay, so are you expecting things to bounce back pretty big after all of this? 
Spark yes, away. I'm hoping so. Yeah, we took a dip there, all right, um, because of COVID and everything went online. Um, but people really are starting to reassess their career now at the moment, which is fantastic because they've had that bit of a break to realise, gosh, I actually want to spend more time with my family or I want to kind of move up on the ladder or get that promotion that I've been stalling on for so many so many years, you know. So um, I do think that it will start to kick things off now over the next few months again. Do people get to discuss salary anymore at an interview uh, or do they feel uncomfortable asking stuff like that? Typical Irish, we hate talking about money. So a lot of people hate asking. Um, usually that's done in the second round interview, but my pet peeve is when employers don't put the salary bracket, even if they put a bit of a salary bracket so the person knows. So let's say um, like if the job is between twenty and 30,000, at least you know, yeah, I can live on that. However, if you can't live on that, then you won't bother replying. So are you saying that people go into job interviews not knowing in advance what the salary yes. is? Oh, yeah. man, yeah, a, a lot of the place. jobs you'll see don't have the, uh, even a salary bracket. It doesn't have to be the exact, but the, the employer should know it's between, let's say, twenty and 30,000 they're offering or whatever. So at least the person applying will know, look, yes, I can live on that. I know I can. And like at what stage do you ask at the at. interview? Listen, I know this is great. I'm delighted to be here, but what are you paying? Would that seem <laughs> forward? Not at all. Like that again, like, and I'd always say for people to have at least three questions to ask the employer. Remember, they're interviewing you, but you're also interviewing them. You know, like you're willing to leave your current job or start a new job with them. So you need to interview them as well. And I like a bit of a challenge as well in an interview. And a lot of people do because as interviewers, we get quite bored with the whole monotony of us asking questions. And we like to challenge them. And that shows as well that the interviewee is very interested in the role. So basically what, um, what do you expect from me from the first 100? days um would you mind me saying what's the salary bracket absolutely there's no problem at all asking because we realize as well that people want to know if they can live on that living that Correct. we're, we're yeah, offering yeah, yeah. you know and do, do employers want to hear the language like i'm a team player i work well under pressure i'm a problem solver i think outside the box i mean everybody says that don't they yeah they do but you have to give solid examples like and that goes back to then your interview prep so like you'd use like typical would be a star um the situation the task the action and the results so if you're talking to the interviewer they ask you a question you'll answer the question using that acronym so the situation what was the task the action and the results so then you're not straying off the subject but again we like to hear these buzzwords but it also goes back to the job description so if they're asking for a team player or any of this then you need to bring that back into gotcha. your interview yeah. and read, that's where we press read the, the application box. yeah go through it and find tooth call I read somewhere I'm, well, I'll let you go after this but I did read somewhere and I'm not 100% sure what I read or where I read it but it said that women undersell themselves when it comes to salary more than men do why if that's true why do women seem to put a lesser value on themselves I, 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 I sort of agree with it and don't, you know, like I think in general Irish people find we undervalue ourselves very much so, you know, I've seen some cracking CVs there and they just haven't sold themselves well and then they can't talk about it, but I think that's a, a typical Irish thing, we hate getting a compliment or anything like that. Women in particular, it's it's back to the usual then that like they might have a lot of the time I'd see clients will come and they might have taken a break for let's say 10 years um, to mind their, to rear their children basically, yeah. um, and they feel embarrassed then that they went out to, to mind their children, to rear their children. That's not at all. And they negative. feel as if it's um, they're of lesser value. That's rubbish. That's absolutely not. It's complete rubbish. That's it. And it's about, like, look at the things that you've learned while you were on maybe mat leave or while you were on that break. You know, like, again, there you have your, your organisation, your team building. Like, you can bring those examples in. Like, if you really sit down and think about what you do at home, 
that's your working environment basically with your family All right, so, so bring that back in as well and people do undersell themselves but that's what the coaching does it brings up the confidence in it and just gives you clarity on basically who you are okay if anybody wants to get in touch with you it's info at rise to success dot ie am I right that's me that's info it, yeah. at rise to success dot ie okay just <laughs> Just, just before I go, I hope, I hope I've asked you all of the right questions and I've missed nothing now. Are, are you happy with the questions I asked? Here, here's Absolutely. the reason why. How has your man actually got his own radio show? Is it possible to ask a girl more thick questions regarding job interviews? He is a total, <laughs> he is a total joke. Are you happy enough with it? Because clearly there's somebody here by text who figures they can do a much better job than me. <laughs> Well, tell them contact me and I'll go line for line with them. There's no problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lovely child. Have a great week. That, that's made my weekend. You have a good weekend, Mary. Take care. And you too. Have a good one. Take Bye. care. Take Bye. care. Mary Bye. Spillane, career coach and uh, HR manager. Uh, further details, rise to success. <laughs> It's to success.ie. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850 104 106. I think it was €1,685 Euro for a week for a house down Ballyhigh, but not everybody was paying that. We're just back from Cahar Daniels, stayed in O'Grady's holiday homes, 800 a week. The house was magnificent. Morning, there should be some law to stop people with holiday homes charging those kind of prices. What that guy was quoted is outrageous. Wouldn't eight or nine hundred a week be enough for God's sake? The apartments in Inchidani are about twelve hundred, and that's going through the hotel. You can't get them through private people though, and uh, you can get them from private people though for about nine hundred, which isn't too bad, says Marie and Clan. Seven to eight hundred a week. I better get vaccinated twice and go to Italy where I can get an apartment for five hundred a week, a hundred meters from the sea. Morning, we stayed in a beautiful two bed cottage last July for four hundred and fifty. Very child friendly, animal friendly in County Clare. We're heading to Kenmare on Monday. A two-bedroom house, two adults, two kids, 450 euro, Monday to Friday. Uh, we were quoted 400 per night for a house in Belmullet, 400 a night. Another quoted 150 per night in a mobile home. We booked a hotel instead. It was more family-friendly. Stayed in a Galway hotel for the June weekend. Two nights, bed and breakfast, one meal, two adults and two kids. We paid 490 euro. We tried to book two nights in the same hotel for July and they wanted 806 for two nights. No bed, no breakfast. Sorry, no no breakfast and no meal. Um, Glen Cullum killing Donegal just as I said Ardra must be the most beautiful place in Ireland. It's a magical, mystical land where all the rainbows end. It's my favourite place in Ireland, says Desi. Glen Cullum Kill. And there's lots then on my conversations yesterday on reimagining and investing in the downtown core, particularly the medieval quarter. And of course, our friend... It's not far from our friend, our foe, COVID. Lots and lots of texts on that. Let me just stay with that actually for a moment, if you will. Um, uh, back to uh, the whole vaccine search stuff and like things like that. Fiona, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Neil? Um, I'll just say that I received um, EU digital COVID search. search. By post? This morning. Yes. Yeah. By post. And um, it's more or less saying here from the 19th of July to yeah. 221, no advice and rules or international travel will come into effect in Ireland. This yeah. certificate is not travel document. It can be used to facilitate travel across the EU. Yeah. You know, don't read it all out to me because, uh, yeah, we know it's, mm. yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. The different countries would have different guidelines, but this cert will get you into the country. Are you clear enough of what you have? Um, yes, 
But um, it's just more or less giving you the base. It's there's still a lot you like. It's saying this certificate is to not a travel document. You know, it's evidence of a COVID nineteen vaccine. Yeah, you, and you know what that means, don't you? You still have to have yes. your passport and your boarding card and your yes. flights and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yes, but the only thing about it, it's it's giving on your personal details. Um, it's actually showing them that you have done it, and you know it's something. Anyway, letting you know that there is your information is accurate and that yeah. everything is in place. Yeah. And it's just the next step after that. But I'm delighted. I'm yeah, actually yeah. Really is there a, I'm happy for you, but is there a helpline number on it? Yes, um, basically here it says um, there's a helpline for anyone that's stuck in, like there was one lady in particular this morning, and um, if there's anything around travel advice to help make information decision, the helpline for digital COVID um, separate it is one eight zero zero. Eight five one five zero four. Now, if anyone has any problems in travel, and is that maybe we could just check and see if that's active, if you don't mind. So the helpline is one eight hundred eight five one five zero four. If people have timing problems or questions about when they can go or where they can go or where they can't go, yes, yes, it's information on travel. Our DFA, i.e., travel travel advice to help make. Uh, information decision. Okay. okay, that's an interesting number. It's a 1-800-851-504. We just called it and it's engaged. And a reopening as well of travel advice and information and measures in places across the All right, you're EU. very good. I was really interested in what you had to say, Fiona, but particularly the helpline number. So thank you for that. I'm delighted that you feel much more relieved now that you have your cert. 1-800-851-504, but it would appear to be engaged. Undoubtedly, there. They haven't taken it off the hook or anything. It's just that they're that busy, I suppose. Free Food Friday, uh, last bunch of shout-outs for Irish removals in Bishopstown. Morning to everybody at John Gray Auto Services in Middleton, to Broderick's Chemist on Barrick Street, Trigon Hotels, to everybody at Diva Clothing in Blackpool. Uh, we also have uh, EBO Home Rescue and BCE Consulting Engineers in the Marina. Uh, Hanley Seasonal Store in Kinsale Road. Lovely pizza. They're going to have a very busy weekend. I suppose that's for all the garden furniture and stuff. Everybody, Union Hall Smoked Fish or Brian's Flooring in Balafihan. Carey's Tools on Albert Key would love some pizza today. They're starving. So are Eurostyle in Cork. Uh, and this one, thank you. The Oak Fire Pizza we won last week arrived and we're very excited. We're having lunch today. Pizza. Have a fab Friday. And that's from James Kelly Associates at the South Ring Business Park. So that's the final shout-outs for now. We'll pick winners in a few minutes' time. But uh, last bit of business. I don't have much time for this, but I mentioned earlier on in the week about the fellow who years back, 20 years ago, spent seven grand on a barrel of the Macallan whiskey, right? I mean, foresight's a wonderful thing. You can look back through different eyes, of course, but he took a punt on it, seven grand, he had to keep it, of course. It was stored and looked after because it takes time to mature. I don't know whether it was 20 years ago or 25, so one of the two. But his seven grand Macallan whiskey, when the barrel was actually sold and the whiskey was bottled, he made a profit of 275,000 sterling. And I was saying way back in the day, you'd be much better off buying a barrel of good whiskey than ever taking out a pension. And God knows we have many, many people now distilling whiskey and also gin 
more so than ever. Prompted a call from Colin Ross. He has kinsalespirits.com. Alongside Ernest Cantlin and Tom O'Reardon, actually, Colin, isn't it? There's a there's a trio yeah. of you. Good morning. A trio. Triumvirate. A triumvirate. So you have Kinsale Gin on the go and Red Earl Whiskey. Yeah, and two more on the way out, actually. Great Earl Single Grain and Spanish Earl Single Malt about to be launched. And you, you're so. distilling this, like you're not getting a blended whiskey elsewhere and putting a label on it, you're not? No, no, at the moment we're we're sourcing our whiskey from Great Northern in Louth. We're building a distillery right now in Kinsale, so we will be making our own whiskey shortly, but at the moment we are sourcing, yeah. But yeah, but the our, sourcing our stuff recipe. won't make any money. That won't, that wouldn't you make nothing on that? No, you can use it for fundraising, like we did an NFT um, sale there a couple of months ago for fundraising purposes of a rare cask of whiskey that we had, that we bought, a 19-year-old uh, Cooley single malt. Oh, I know, but what I'm saying is if people um, were to buy something that was now being distilled in Ireland, a barrel of it, would they make money out of it in 20 years' time? Oh, eventually. I mean, look, you need to choose carefully what you're buying, but there are plenty good products out there. And if you lay it down for for long enough, it starts to appreciate in value, especially on the the sort of signature years, you know, like the 12s, the 15s. The you know eighteen year old twenty one those when when whiskey start to reach those ages the value grows exponentially and how much would it grow by I mean you could be talking over that period by something in the order of five hundred percent um you know typically depending again how careful you are about what you're buying um you could you could see returns of maybe 200% in six or seven years. Wow. There are various schemes out there. Like, for example, we do a whiskey investment scheme through our own business, which is the EIIS scheme, which has a tax rebate from the revenue commissioners. And your net return on that is 109%. 109% After how long? Actually, over four and a half years. So You get 40% of the investment off in tax and you get 109% yes. return in no, five years. 109 in total. So it's we we give another we give another coupon on top seventy of the really seventy yeah so it it works out at a net return of one hundred and nine point eight so like there are other ways to go about it you don't have to get funneled down trying to buy some people wouldn't have the expertise to buy a whiskey or or wouldn't feel comfortable you know they might be used to drinking their regular brand they might know a lot more about it outside that like there are advisory clubs and things like that but. Some of them are very good, but some of them do go fees, so you need to be I know, I know. I mean, there's, there's a gamble with everything, but I was just thinking that no one is going to give you any kind of a return like that in a bank or a pension fund. No, not anymore, and that's what's prompted people looking at these alternative investment avenues. I mean, whiskey doesn't go off. Yes, the angels share, it evaporates over time, but obviously with careful storage, you can minimize that. And do you know when somebody buys a, a barrel of it, who stores it? Where, where is it kept? It's normally stored by under bond. For example, we have a lot of stock of whiskey built up, and it's all stored under bond by Great Northern. Or you can store it in places like Cork Bonded Warehouses in Little Island. I think it's you fascinating. Pay them a fee every month. I think it's fascinating. And how's the Kinsale Gin going for you? I know that it's... Uh, I, see, I see it on all the shelves, yeah. Yeah, it's going very well. We have a great uh, relationship with the independent off-licenses, but also with Musgrave, you know, Super Value Centre. They've given us great support over lockdown and we healthy online sales as well. But the gin, the gin really, you know, a lot of people said the gin thing would be a fad and it had passed. But 
uh, that's not happening so far. It's still growing. So we're we're more more than delighted with the performance against Elgin. And, and Red Earl Irish Whiskey is starting to do really well. Like we only launched it this time last year. Actually, it's not even out here. And it's already... Selling Fantastic. at a very substantial rate, so we're very happy with Okay, it. I'm clean out of time for the day that's in it, but if people no want to get in touch, how can they do so? Well, we, we have info at kinsalespirit.com or for investors, EIIS, EIIS at kinsalespirit, singular.com, kinsalespirit.com. Nice one. Okay, I'll come back and revisit yeah. those again after the weekend, but uh, great to catch up yeah. with you. Sure, anytime, And uh, regards to you and to Ernest and Tom, nice to catch up. Thanks, Thanks for that. Thanks very much. Have a great weekend. Cheers. Cheers. That's Colin Ross. Uh, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. We're out of time. Dermody Dental Practices, Evergreen Road and Turners Cross. Um, who else we got? Pizza for Diva Clothing in Blackpool and for Wendy and everybody at Hanley's on the Kinsale Road. So pizza sorted for all you guys. Lines will stay open. If you have a story to share, text 0868104106. If you have a comment or an opinion, you can always email neil at redfm.ie. Have a great, great weekend. The weather's on your side. Uh, I'll see you for, I'll see you Monday. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.